like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod. Looks like everybody had to make it. Somehow had to make it. I'm thinking that us making it 20 years is, was probably even easier than some of you making it here tonight. So grateful that you're here each and every night. So welcome to PJ20. Welcome to Queens of the Stone Age 14. Welcome to the Strokes 12. Welcome to Liam Finn 14. Welcome to Mudhoney 23. This guy started with a group called X, still with a group called X, makes records on his own. He takes the cake, Mr. John Doe. Welcome to John Doe 34. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossip. Fucking camera in the truck. now welcome to live on four legs the definitive live pearl jam podcast and happy pj 20 in pj 30 which is really pj 10 because it's the 10th anniversary of pj 20 while we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of the band so if you have that meme right now with the mathematical equations going over your head yeah that's exactly what's happening here. It's a little confusing, and there's a lot of things that we need to get to. Uh, so I won't even bullshit anymore. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do this intro. Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello, John. This has been a big week for us, and I, I just want to get all of the the thank yous and get all of our appreciation out of the way before we get into this episode, which is going to be very very important. Um, you know, everybody that showed up to the website launch party uh and the reaction that we got from it um it just made it made all this feel worthwhile and and not that it it, it 
wasn't to begin with. But you just you just never know when you work on a project and you put a lot of effort into it. You never know if there's going to be any pushback from it, if there's going to be any like response. And you know, sometimes like the the worst thing that people can say is nothing. And you know, thankfully we went into that and everybody that was there there were about 50 people there at one point which i'm not bragging by numbers but i'm just like just almost astonished that we were able to do something incredible like that um that have just really really enjoyed what we're doing and and not just that but the people that have contributed uh financially the people that have contributed with their writings like we have the best team that money didn't buy here like they seriously are phenomenal and i just none of this absolutely none of this happens in the time or fashion that it happens without all of those people and their input and their stories and on and on and on and on like you guys are the backbone of this thank you all so much at some point we'll do like a dedication podcast to all of the writers and and donors but uh this has just been Incre- an incredible experience um john i'll let you what do you what do you get this is your you, you this was your uh idea you kind of when we were approached with buying the domain name this was what you wanted to do was to create a brand new concert chronology which ended up being concertpedia yeah it's it's just so exciting to see it now out in the world and see it live and be able to read it and yeah, the the party like I'm gonna I'll just piggyback off what you said. Like the party was amazing. Like we do we plan these things and you you send out links and and you don't know who's gonna show up or you don't know if people are gonna show up. And a lot of you guys did. So yeah, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. That's amazing. And you know, thank you to Stephen Hyden who we got to talk to about his new Pearl Jam book. That was unbelievable. Thanks to Bailey Race, we got to we went off with him about going on posters and the talking to the band and some behind the scenes stuff there that was super cool. We got to even talk to Kathy Davis from two feet thick. We, we just had, we got this episode with Karen Rose that we're doing in five rises. We got to talk to Kathy a little bit at the end there from, from two feet thick about kind of what they did. And Paul Wirt, who played amazing guitar and ukulele did 10 songs and no code songs inspired me to reenact a little bit of Ed's unplugged porch. That uh, might be everything. If you're picking like the the live on four legs top three, if you're doing like top three of the night, like people might might say the pro choice is, is their number two or number one right there. It's still it's still a little visible on my arm. I mean, I, I really? have showered. I have showered a lot since then. You take um, any photos of it? I think we need to still, post some photos. I might have. I don't think I got any photos of. Maybe someone <laughs> took a screenshot. See, I had I had Paul up full screen. I I didn't even know what you were doing because you yeah, were yeah. like I had minimal amount of boxes, and for some reason, even though you were at the top of mine, you didn't come down in my drop down. Hmm. So after afterwards, everybody's like, "Oh my god, look at John! Look at John!" I'm like, "What? It's it's John!" And you know, you show your arm. I'm like, "Oh damn, that actually looks exactly the way that Ed wrote it." I, maybe it's because. You know, writing on your arm and the angle it is, you can't. And I was doing those. it left-handed, so I was. Oh, it's a there little you go. More, yeah. Right. So it's a little haphazard, but that was a very, very cool moment. Very nice, nice. Little, it was fun. It yeah. Was fun. Nice and, and credit goes to Paul because he inspired it. Paul right. did an absolutely amazing job. He did present tense and and in my tree, and it was present tense. Fantastic. Ukulele. Yeah. 
Very, very cool. Yeah, it was well, great. Great job by Paul. The biggest thank you that I think I want to send out is to Karen High with uh, yeah. the Project Matters, and she was incredible. They told the story about her son and wanting to to give back after her son passed away, and what they do over at the Project Matters is they fund kind of uh, underfunded uh, musicians under 25 that are looking to get into business that are looking to uh, right now there's there's somebody who's 25 years old that wants to to build their own recording studio so they're looking to fund things like that it's just things that you don't even think about that could be things that that people would want to to raise for and that's why this was so eye-opening. Like, you don't think that there are so many struggling musicians out there that can't make a break because they don't have a dollar to their name. They can't, you know, they, they can't find, you know, they can't find a bill to be on. They can't find uh, uh, bars to, to, to perform at. Or maybe they're just talented musicians. They can't even fix their guitar. Like, that, it could be something as, as small as that. And to even think and consider those people is just like it's it's tremendous and and, you know her story was fantastic and we're doing so much more with it when we do shore stock before see here now and we hope to really raise a lot of money what what a lot of you mentioned bailey race and bailey race is one of our artists that that is going to be painting ukuleles there uh and we're going to be auctioning them off and i think a couple are are out for auction right now um so by all poster artists like steve thomas and brad clausen uh so we'll we'll keep posting links i think the pearl jam podcast community page is is where you're going to want to go for that uh but we we decided we wanted to give a little bit back to her as well uh with with the show and we asked uh for for people if they could donate to the show we would in return raffle off some prizes and we would also match their donation and um yeah we're we'll announce how much we made for her but uh the total is significantly high uh compared to what our monthly donation total is and we're absolutely floored with the response and how much people were willing to give in it was basically like uh, more than half the people that were that were there that that gave not not just people that joined up for patreon for the first time but people that it, it, it just expanded what they had already been donating donating just for for the month and can I, can I read their names now i feel like i should i think i feel like i need to thank them yeah um why why don't we do this do you want to thank the new people first and then we'll thank the people that had gave a little more that that okay. had already been patrons okay so everybody kind of gets their moment a little bit we can do that all right um thanks to anthony chrisowitz who you may remember as, as co-hosting uh, one of the shows while Randy was out on paternity leave and host of Touring Fan Live. And he'll, uh, and- be, he'll be hosting uh, the Shorestock uh, Festival as well. Absolutely. And and I'll be, I, I'm like, you know, I, I'm along for the ride on this. Like, Anthony's really done <laughs> such a tremendous job putting the show together and putting together all of uh, uh, sponsorships. And, and we have a really, really, really talented team 
that that's been with us doing this and, and it's just gonna be so exciting to see everybody there not just everybody there but to see how much we we raise and to see the whole uh performances so if you are going to see here now the friday before is is going to be at, at a place called the saint at asbury park and uh I'll, I'll, i'm along for the ride like this is you know anthony would say that i'm his co-host but like i'm i'm like second i'm, I'm second tier to anthony but i, I i'll be doing some emceeing with him on, on stage there but uh yeah it's anthony's it's anthony's child and he absolutely deserves the credit for for all of it so i just wanted to throw that out there before we uh moved on to the next one yeah absolutely um Oh, thanks also to Sheehan Pereira, who joined up. Uh, He's a as concert a contributor. Patron. Yep, absolutely. Uh, thanks to Brian Horowitz, another concert PD contributor, who yep. joined up, new patron. Thanks to Nadine from, I guess, from looks like from Australia. I didn't get Nadine's Nadine. last name. Roth. So okay. she's she's also a concert PD contributor. Yeah. yeah. We we went through. I I thought it wouldn't be fair for a bunch of Yanks to to do the Australian reviews because it seemed like you know. Australia is such a, a niche place that maybe if we got people that were kind of uh, that were local residents that were at those shows, it would be a better experience than people from U.S. that that want to listen to to more of the U.S. tour and Canadian tour stuff and even European tour stuff to an extent. Uh, but yeah, she was she was one of a couple people that that stepped up uh, from from Australia, and uh, we thank her for that. She's she's great. Um, also, we got a couple more here. Jennifer Dixon mm-hmm. signed up. Um, She's Michelle, part of the touring fan team. Excellent. Uh, Michelle Minky, Lori Gray, Another. and yeah, and Stephen Maton, who's that's, been on the show. That's before. Buddy Steve. Yeah, that's Buddy Steve. Yep. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Steve will. Uh, so we're we're actually going to be doing a little you know, tie into what this actual show is. Uh, we're going to be doing a little PJ Twenty Forum on Thursday, which should be the day after this comes out, and uh, Steve will be a big part of that because this whole entire show. Steve and I were there the whole entire time. We roomed together. We we traveled together. We went to. We were sitting together. So yeah, we're gonna tell fully expand all the stories. We'll get some stories today, but but Steve is a major part of this sequence of shows that we're gonna be doing. But uh, let's let's thank some more people. Let's thank the current patrons that decided to to give yeah. a little bit more as well. Oh, get comfortable because there's <laughs> a long list. Um, Nick Smith. And one of our one of our writers, uh, Chris Davis, the Pearl Jam dude who came on an episode yeah, a, a Pearl Jam few weeks ago, did a Pittsburgh with me. Uh, Danny King, who also came on with with me while you were out and did an episode. Uh, Deborah McMurtry, of course, people remember Deb from her of episode. Of course, uh, Tom Gregory. Thanks to Tom, we just uh, did we just did Tom's episode too. That was yep, Boston. Yep, so right. a lot of recent guys. Uh, John Cooney, thanks to John. Uh, Julia Feller, uh, Shannon McGooey, Ryan Morden, Randy Cross, and Claire O'Leary. Thanks to all of them. That's just amazing that you guys were able to to step up and increase your donations for this month for the Project Matters. That really means a lot. And there was actually one other person that stepped in after the event and donated afterwards and she even said oh i don't need to be part of the raffle i just love you guys i, I just really appreciate what you do and that's uh gabby Mockenhopped, and she's she's oh, fantastic yeah she comments on her stuff a lot and uh yeah she's she's been there from very early on so we thank her and everybody else that has been so kind like this is a long list of people i don't think we've ever had 
this kind of this many people to thank on the show before, which just it again, like just warms our hearts that we can that we have been in this position where we're able to do that. So just just a beautiful thing. Now we got some prizes to give away. So why don't we do that? Um, I'll I'll mention the prize. Okay, the first one we're going to give away is an OG no code that was donated to us by uh, by Chris Everett, our webmaster. Yeah. So now, this thing this thing will run you a a, a couple hundred bucks. Like I have wow. a couple of these. This is a legit prize. Like this is not like a koozie or a stapler or a sticker. <laughs> like you are winning a significant. This is significant. Like that's amazing that Chris stepped up and and donated that. That's that's money out of his pocket that you know, that's going towards this this event and this this charity. So absolutely, thank you to Chris for doing that. That's amazing. Shall we announce the winner? I think we should. All right, the winner is Shannon Magui. Wow, Shannon! Congratulations! Awesome! Congratulations, Shannon! And and Shannon is. Just go to Vegas right now, Shannon, because she's on a nice little streak. I believe that when Lance Mercer was on the touring fan stream this past weekend, I believe she won an original print of a like a 10 session photo from Lance wow. Mercer. So, yeah, like get out, get out to Vegas and 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 just just go, baby, go. <laughs> You're on a nice little <laughs> roll there. Uh, but Sh- Shannon's fantastic. Shannon is very, very helpful, and and uh, she's always the kind of person that that motivates people, and is and she kind of rallies people up. And she's like, "All right, everybody, let's let's." And especially for Black Circle, boy, she get everybody to the Black Circle shows. But yeah, she helped us out a lot too, uh, getting a lot of people into to our event. So we 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 thank her for that, and we congratulate her for uh, for getting a very cool prize there. Absolutely. What's up next? Our- our second prize is going to be a poster that was supposed to be purchasable at the Ottawa 2020 show. That obviously didn't happen, but afterwards Pearl Jam had released all these posters. And like we mentioned before, we were lucky enough to have Bailey race on the, the, the event and talk about what he's doing. He's going to be doing one of the ukuleles and he, he did uh, this poster and a Missoula live stream poster that we will get to in a second. But not only are we giving away this poster, this is going to be signed, sealed, delivered. This is a signed poster that we're giving away here. Very, very cool stuff. Uh, let's let's just do it. Let's just announce the winner. How about it? Let me let's give do it. Want, want a little intro? Let's do it. <laughs> Sheehan Pereira. Sheehan. Very nice. Sheehan, I believe, is... Signed, has a, delivered. It's yours. Has a uh, an Instagram called Concert Pants. And uh, he's doing a nice job over there. He's, again, like we mentioned before, he's a Concertpedia contributor. And, and uh, all of our Concertpedia contributors have been doing a fantastic job. And, and, uh, and Sheehan's just another one of them that, that's just working really hard at it. So thank you, Sheehan. You absolutely yeah, awesome. deserve that. That is so cool. Now our last thing that we're going to give away. I mentioned it before. A Missoula live stream poster. This is coming straight from Belly Race's collection. Straight, straight from the 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 horse's mouth, I suppose. The vault, if that makes sense. Yes. Okay. Straight from the vault. That sounds a lot better. 
Uh, and he's going to, I believe, do like a watermark on it or something like that. He's gonna, cool. and he's gonna uh, uh, put a one uh, one of one on it, so it'll it'll feel a little bit more exclusive. Priceless. And yeah, so again, why don't we just do it? Can't can't just sit around here and explain yeah. the whole thing. This is audio. You can't we, see it. We so. still got to do a whole show. To we gotta we gotta Shit, get we going. Do. You're right. Here, blah, 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 winner. Jennifer Dixon. Jennifer Dixon. Very nice. Thank you. Congratulations, Jennifer. Jennifer's been working hard setting up the Shore Stock event. So three very, very deserving people have got it for three very, very des- deserving reasons. And uh, we congratulate them. And hopefully this didn't take up too much of your time, but it's very important for us to get the word out about the Project Matters. Visit them at theprojectmatters.org, read their mission statement. And if you are around at See Here Now Festival and are going to be in the area on the Friday, please, please come along. Please join. We're, I, I, I hope that night is just a class reunion of Pearl Jam fans, especially there are a lot of people that I just haven't met personally yet that I'm, I can't wait to to talk to and just, and to see. So that's going to be the night for that. Pearl Jam's playing a show in three weeks. This is happening. Yeah. And that's sort of in my mind, that's almost been the back burner thing because yeah. we've been preparing for this event and we put a lot of stock in, you know, no, no pun, no pun intended. We put a lot of stock into this. And, uh, but yeah, Pearl Jam is going to be like almost icing on an awesome, delicious 100 layer cake here. And, uh, we're, we're going to be doing, yeah, I'm sure we'll have more content on that as, uh, as the days go on and, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll think about doing an after show or something. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss, we'll discuss, but it is going to be very cool to finally have a show after so long, almost two years well, no, I should say more than that because it wasn't since 2018. It's three years now uh, that we had nothing. Uh, I'm thinking quarantine wise, but yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll get to that when we get to that. Let's get to an actual show right here. PJ20 night one. I had addressed this with you before we went on, and I said, "Okay, what do you think are the most important aspects of what this show is?" And I told you that. Talking about the idea that it was their 20-year anniversary right now seems a little, like, less important than the things that were happening that night. Because now, like I, me- like I mentioned, there's, you know, numbers within numbers, decades within decades that you can just break down and, and just kind of, you know, swirl your head around. And it's very odd. I don't, I don't understand it, but you're celebrating, you know, the, their 20th year anniversary that happened 10 years ago in their 30th anniversary, which is just, the whole thing is absurd. But being there, those two shows were my sixth and seventh show. And while I had, I had traveled to Chicago before, this was, a, this was the second time that I really made a big travel commitment to go somewhere. And, and you know, I, I think a lot of what we're going to be doing in the PJ 20 forum, if you want to come just get in touch with us on social media or, or live and four legs podcast at gmail.com. Um, you know, I'll, like Steve and I, like we're kind of heading into like territory that we had no clue. It's East Troy, Wisconsin. Like I had never been to that part of the country before I had never been to a rural area. I didn't know what to expect. And, and I am the first to admit I'm a spoiled fucking brat 
and I want things my way. And I expect when I hear things that, okay, like, you know, and this is mostly food related. This is mostly food related shit. And, and a lot of the stories are very food related, but like going into a steakhouse or burger house restaurant and seeing, first of all, deep in Wisconsin, they were offering five sides per meal. Can you eat five sides per meal, John? Uh, no. Yeah. Maybe I, when I, I was 20. I tried. I tried, but it didn't work. But the, the, the more important thing here is that me being a little Jew boy from New York, I saw that on, <laughs> and I didn't realize that this was a thing in the Midwest, that they, one of the sides was, uh, was potato pancakes. And to me, well, potato pancakes are latkes. Uh, that's all I know them as. So I am looking at, the menu and the waitress is still there and the waitress is actually like waiting for us the whole time and letting us decide and 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 waiting on us to decide and i guess waiting for us to have questions i don't know if it's a that's a midwestern thing just you know kind courtesy type thing it's that's nice service but i i, I kind of blurred out i say oh wow you guys have lockers and she's like oh no i i, I don't think we have any of that i don't i don't think we have any of those like ooh. Oh, strike one. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, that just a small cultural thing that I didn't know what I was getting into. And I think a lot of that, that weekend was that. There was that situation. There was a situation the next morning at a diner where I... Yeah, you had a little bit of culture shock going from, uh, yeah. the, <laughs> from the big city to uh, Wisconsin. Uh, uh, yeah. And it's not really a big city. I came, I'm, you know, I was born on Long Island. That's 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 a pretend big city right there. At that diner, I ordered coffee, which I don't drink coffee anymore. But when I did, I drank it with milk. Does that seem odd to you, John? I've never had coffee in my entire life. But you know what coffee drinkers usually take in their coffee, right? Sure. And does milk seem like an odd choice? This is not um, Anchorman. Yeah, I, I probably not. Could, you could you could have picked something weirder, probably. Yeah, no, I want milk in my coffee because I think that's a totally normal fucking thing to want. And I asked, like, oh, can can I milk it with my coffee? And usually, if you know, it, in normal places that I've been in normal restaurants, they go around and, and when they need to refill coffee, they have a little can of milk there and they repour your milk and or they put milk on the table for you. And, and it's very normal. Everybody shares it. And and that that's how everybody gets their gets milk in their coffee. And, and it's, it's a normal thing. But milk and coffee didn't seem to exist in East Troy, Wisconsin. And I, I, we were saying a little bit outside East Troy. I, I don't remember the exact name of the town. But when we're staying in a Motel 6, this is not like high living over here. We're not we're not getting sweets or anything like that. So, um, yeah, and I, I kept asking, I kept saying, like, hey, can can I get some milk with with this? And she's like, um, OK, she brought me a glass of milk. Like she didn't. You know, it wasn't just like giving me, you know, a a, a little container to, to kind of like pour a little bit. It, it was a glass. It was like it was a complete foreign concept. And and I'm still just I try to get my head around it. and I can't. 
I can't. Like, it seems like it's such a normal thing. Up there, all they had was cream. That's it. It's like there wasn't another option for their coffee. It's so small town. It's it, 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 You go to some of these places. I mean, you're, you're from Georgia. Some of these places in Georgia are very, very small town, very rural. And, like, they, they are set in their ways. And that's it. Right? Um, yeah, probably. I know, I know you're, you know, where you live, you're a little outside the perimeter and you're, yeah. you're closer to Atlanta, but it's not, you know, but I mean, there are places in the South that just have their way of life. And if you interrupt their way of life, you're basically foreign to them and they don't like when things are different. Yes, you are the outsider. Right. So... Yeah, it, it was a little weird, and I think I actually ended the trip going into McDonald's at like 5 in the morning before I was catching my plane and asking for milk, and they said, no, we don't have any milk at all, and I think it just flipped out. It was just like, uh, <laughs> it was the last minute that I was going to spend in Wisconsin. I was just like, that's fucking it, really? You don't even have milk in the entire, entire restaurant. You don't have any milk. Well, that's like, dairy country. They turn it all into cheese. That's what they're known for. They use all the milk right, for cheese. Should right. have asked, you should have asked for cheese in your coffee. They would have, <laughs> they would have celebrated you as a, as a welcoming king. Local hero. Yeah, local hero. <laughs> oh, God, if I was only weirder. Um, yeah, so, okay, those are those stories, and those are fine. But but the, the next story is, is kind of tying in to what the actual day was. And the actual day was a downpour, just bad weather. We kind of knew going into it that it was preparing to look like it. The day before, Steve and I were in Chicago. We went to a, we went to Wrigley. We sat in the bleachers. It was hot as fuck. It was like early September. It was probably felt like 105 degrees out. It was awful. We didn't stay the whole game. We, and that's something I never, ever, ever do. I always make sure I'm there the whole entire game, but I don't think, I think it was like Cubs pirates. Like neither team was very good in 2011. So it's September two bad teams in September are definitely not worth watching, not worth anybody's time. So we, 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 we fleed after a while and, and, you know, it was probably like an hour or two, uh, to go to go up to, to Wisconsin, but um, then so the next day, and uh, Sabelle, who's another character that will be introduced at the PJ Twenty Forum that we that we're doing, she was with us the whole time, and she's a, a good friend of Steve's. That that day, I really got to to know really well, and like became like like forever friends with her, and she's awesome. I think a lot of people have referred to. Um, you know, people, if you want to say jamily kind of people, but like a lot of people have I referred don't. to, I, I know, but like, I, this is where I'm going with this. Like when you're on the road and you're touring with people, like everybody has kind of like the mom of the group that you, you know, there's been a term that says Pearl Jam mom. She's, she has always been my Pearl Jam mom. She's, and there's a reason for this. Like that day we went out to Walmart and she was like, we, you know, made like this, this shopping list of like, we need to get ponchos. We need to get, uh, you know, rain gear or this and that. And she was just on the ball with everything. And me, you know, I wasn't 25 yet. I was like a week away from being 25. My birthday was the next week. And I, I mean, I was pretty fucking clueless and single and just, just like, you know, and also working a lot and, and stuck in that environment that I didn't have enough time to figure out what 
life outside of what I did for a living was. So I, you know, I, if it were me, I probably would have just went to the show with shorts and a t-shirt and just let, you know, let myself kind of, kind of drown in the rain a little bit. And, and I would have found, I would have been uncomfortable, but I, I would have just sucked it up and went through it. But like having those people in your life that are just like, no, 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 we're, we're not going to do that it, it is always a very, very good thing. And, and, uh, I think, I think Steve was a little, is a little older than me. He's probably like 10 years older than me. So he probably didn't need the Pearl Jam mom them, uh, like I did, but, um, we went to a Walmart and bought all this stuff. And, uh, let me just say the Walmart, I didn't remember the story until talking to Sabelle about a couple of weeks ago, but now I remember it. It was the first time I walked into any place that sold rifles. Any place. Ever. I had never stepped foot in, I had maybe never even seen a gun that wasn't on, on a police officer. So, huh. yeah. Yeah, even, even here, like I... Yeah, I can't even... I've I've always tried to kind of avoid it. I don't ever really, like... You can avoid it if you want to. Yeah, of course. And I, I think I, I had purposefully avoided it, but like yeah. Walmart in the front of the store, just like, you know, like Dick Sporting Goods selling like hockey sticks or some shit like that. Oh, here's your guns. Oh, oh, what? Oh, are any of them loaded? Like, that's probably the first thing that went to my head because I had never seen just so many guns in one place before. Like, I, I just didn't... And that's probably part of a cultural issue that we have in America that we can get into on a, a different podcast for a different topic. But, you know, it's just another eye opening thing being in a different area and experiencing that. So, yeah, uh, I, I didn't have a very vivid memory of that, but I'll never forget that that did happen. So. Um, yeah, uh, look, a lot of that day, you know, the, the show was supposed to start at like noon, one o'clock and, and there were side stages all built up and there were a lot of, a lot of acts happening on the side stages. And, and I, I think that probably day one, we were going to take it a little bit easier anyway, but when the first acts were supposed to go on stage, a lot of them got canceled, but when they were supposed to take the side stage, uh, we were sitting in the hotel room watching week one of college football. And we were just like, when the fuck is things out? We were refreshing the, the, the forums and we were trying to get information on the internet, which was probably very hard at the time with, you know, Wi-Fi probably not being very strong in rural Wisconsin. We kind of think that right, obviously right now everything is at our fingertips and we can go anywhere and have that amenity, like to, to go on our phone and, and to, you know, keep up on Twitter and things. But even in 2011, it doesn't feel like that long ago, even though it was 10 years, it was still pretty hard to get that information then. So we had to kind of make a decision at one point, like when, when were we going to go to this show? When were we going to go and how long were we going to be willing to, to sit through all this, to sit through the rain, to, to, uh, you know, what if they cancel? Like there was a lot of that going around. Like, you know, nobody knew if rumors, they were going to have yeah. to postpone. Yeah. Much less rumors about 
who's going to be there and, you know. Oh, my God. We haven't even got to that yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just that the rumor be, mill just nonstop around this thing. I remember that. Yeah. That could be another podcast in itself. For sure. That could. So, yeah, the rain was definitely a major factor on the day. Um, you want another food story? Because I got one. Uh, sure. I'm going to tell it anyway, so, you know, just just preparing you is is all, all I'm saying, I suppose. Uh, yeah, we're we're you know, I think it's just very t- You know, you walk in and, and I think we, we kind of there were there were a lot of things to do, like, you know, they had up, you know, the just PJ 20 signs and we took pictures of all the signs and we tried to take in pictures everywhere to just kind of take up the time. Cause we knew that nothing was going to happen for a very long time. And, and Alpine Valley's a bitch to park at. I think anybody that's been there is, has a said that on the show B you know, knows that especially people that live up there in the Midwest, but uh, like ugh, just a lot of time to just stand around and not doing anything like, all right, well, I might as well get food. I might as well get dinner. Steve, for some reason, wasn't didn't wait online with me and did something else. I can't I can't remember what happened. Sabelle, uh, so Suzette is another character that we'll talk a little bit about at the forum. And um, I, I actually don't know much of what she was doing that day because she had VIP passes. Uh, her partner is or was a tour manager for Joseph Arthur, which I'm just going to throw out there right now as a disclaimer. Uh, we obviously do not support anything that Joe Arthur has said in the last recent weeks because uh, it is all nonsense and dribble. And uh, we were getting prepared and looking forward to possibly inviting him to this this forum. And we were very, very disappointed when he came out and, and just went total apeshit about it, anti-vax and, and not getting vaccinated and, and, and things like that. And just, you know, very unfortunate because he's somebody that I actually discovered through my college radio station that, you know, CDs just get delivered on top of your mail. And I looked at him like, all right, well, what's this thing? I put it in. I'm like, Ooh, this is kind of like modern day Bob Dylan-ish. This is not bad. And I really dug in. I kind of, you know, then when he was connected with the band, I'm like, whoa, that's very cool that they see the same things in him that I saw. And now he's just is what he is. So it's hey, very Joseph, unfortunate. Come back to the light, man. Come back to the light. <sighs> well, we'd like you on our team. I think unfortunately he might be too far gone now, but yeah, so she was, she was, she was off doing her own thing. I think she kind of went in and out with us and Sabella had seats with her, which I believe were in a VIP section. I'm not entirely sure, but she was kind of Sabelle, you know, would kind of meet up with us every uh, like i don't know like hour or something like that and like we kind of stayed stay together for an hour we'd split stay together for an hour so for some reason i was split from everybody and went online to get food at this wonderful venue um and and i think night two we'll talk about the venue a lot more because i, I think you know just looking around that day it was just so awful out and so disgusting that you just didn't get a feel for how beautiful this place actually is. And uh, I think a lot of the next episode, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I go and wait for food. It, it, it felt like this little stand that had, uh, that had food was like on 
you know, if you're looking stone side, it's it's way past stone side, but it's like it's like going down a ramp that almost feels like you're you're parallel with the stage. So it's going down that far. I don't know how actually far it was, but it felt like it was that it was down that way. And it's very steep and and you're going down a long way. And the way to get back up the hill, you actually have to like climb on top of the hill to get up. So that comes into play in just a second. But it was a very long line to get food because what else does anybody fucking do there? There's no posters available. The shirt, I mean, shirts. Oh, my God. You want to talk about the hoodies? You know what happened to the hoodies, right? Uh, no. East Troy, Michigan. Wrong dates. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Yeah. On the back. Like, that was a huge. They turned the W upside down. That, that's right. Well, I think the date was wrong, too. I think the mm-hmm. date said the second and the third, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so okay. the third and the fourth there. I have pictures of this, so I will share to all of the applicable groups that, that, that want to see these things. And, and any, anybody that was there that's listening in knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's just like all, you know, Murphy's law kind of deal. All, anything that could go wrong, went wrong in this situation. And it kind of like, and I'll get to kind of tying a bow on that a little bit later, but waiting online for food took a long time. I got chicken fingers, French fries, and probably a beer. And I go, and I'm trying to go and find wherever Steve was, you know, on the lawn. Our first, we had tickets both nights, 10 club tickets. And night one was lawn, and night two was seats. And I'm actually glad that night two was seats, because I think night two I have a lot more visual memories from. Because I, I just, I think I was just the whole time, I was just trying to find ways to be comfortable at the show and, and just either, you know, not succeeding or, or what. But, uh, yeah, obviously, whenever it's wet out, it's going to be shitty conditions. So um, and that's where I get to this. I walk up this hill and I, you know, Jack and Jill walk up the hill and I trip. I don't have chicken fingers in a beer anymore. So I'm just fuming mad I, at this point. Like, you know, this has been one of the just weirdest fucking trips. Why can't every every place be like fucking Islip, New York, or or where I was living in West Hartford, Connecticut at the time? Why can't everybody be like West Hartford or Islip and just have all the amenities that that I've been getting that have like you know been sufficient in my life for so long that I like stamped and and put my biggest scowl on and went right up there. And I'm like, I dropped my chicken fingers. I need extra chicken fingers. And I was such a dick about it. I was a dick when I was 25 years old. I really was. I was an entitled jerk. Uh, and I probably still am in ways now, but you know, I, I, I figured out how to be, be politer about it and not be as entitled. I guess I don't, I don't want to make this a podcast about me, but shit, I created them thing three years ago. So here we are. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they replaced everything and I was just, it's just miserable. It, there was nothing fun was happening. Everybody around you was trying to put on a happy face, but you can tell that everybody was just like, what are we like? God, when is the band going on? There, there were like things were happening probably an hour after they should have, uh, you know, as far as the venue goes, the venue got a little bit extra time for, for Pearl Jam to go on later, but it was a much shorter set than it should have been. And I think it was just, the whole thing was just haphazard and it just kind of, everything seemed to end up going wrong. And, you know, 
the thing that I want to equate it to is if Pearl Jam Night One was equivalent to any part of Pearl Jam's career, it would be the 90s, where like you have this big, great thing that you can't, for the band, at least in their eyes, you can't celebrate, you can't have fun with it, you can't enjoy it, because all these other things are getting in the way that are blocking you from uh, from appreciating what, what you have in front of you. And then if Night 2 were anything, it would be the back end where of like probably where we were at that at phase, like just celebrating everything that's good about them and about the people and about you know like the merch was was back and the merch was good they fixed the hoodies and they you know the bands were playing on the side stage like things were beautiful on night two and it felt like if there was any you know like maybe vitalogy versus vitalogy was night one and then like night two was probably like avocado backspacer era kind of stuff like where it's a little bit more happier and and uh and you know just lighten the mood and positive but night one yeah not 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 a lot good happening just from anything outside of the shows yeah so what was it what was it like like how you said you had you had lawn seats it's been it's raining it's muddy where did you end up when the when the band started oh man in a spot where i was trying to decide whether or not I should watch the screen or watch the band. It was, you know, I wasn't like front row of the lawn. I'll say that much, but everybody had their space. I do remember that. I don't remember ever having to fight for space. Cause I think everybody was just, they didn't want to move. Nobody wanted to get up. Like everybody was standing, but like you feel like one, one false move, especially if people were drinking and, and not being responsible, one false move. And you could have slipped on your ass and fell in the mud. Like I, especially me that already did that earlier. I was just like, okay, I'm parked right here. That's it. And I will enjoy whatever section of the show that I can from here. And once the music came on, especially like once Mud Honey started playing, like you were able to kind of like lose yourself in it a little bit. And you're like, okay, this is official now. It's happening. We are getting to Pearl Jam at some point. Mud Honey is happening first. And and I'm not the big I'll admit I'm not the biggest Mud Honey fan. I don't know I should be. That's like up my alley. I like shit like that. But I just I don't know. They they just especially live, like it's just uh, maybe it was the setting that day. Yeah, they should be playing more clubs and shouldn't be playing in outdoor, you know, amphitheaters and things like that. That that's really not their thing. I can't even remember what time they went on. I, I would guess they probably went on around six or seven o'clock. Oh, okay. Yeah. At that point, because they went on earlier the next night, but yeah, everything was so pushed back that yeah, I, I don't even have a visual memory of watching them. But for all I remember was just people not really reacting to him as much until they played touch me. I'm sick. And then the whole crowd saying, touch me. I'm sick. Like th- that's it. That's really, that was it. They're all right. But like, you know, just didn't fit the venue. Uh, next was Queens of the stone age. I love Queens of the stone age. I had seen Queens of the stone age probably five or six times before that. And none of those times were as the headliner act. They were all as the opening band, whether it be for festivals like Lollapalooza or a, um, you know, the radio stations that, that do like their Christmas uh, uh, festival kind of thing. They they were 
they were at one of those that, that I went to in high school and they played like three or four songs and that was it. Uh, but they had Mark Lanigan at the time, which is great. Like I was really happy oh, that yeah. I got their Mark good Lanigan's lineup. Awesome. Yeah. Right. I got their good lineup. I got Nick Oliveri, who's, who's an asshole, but like he's a fucking incredible bassist. Uh, and the only thing I didn't get was I didn't get Dave Grohl on the drums. He barely played with them live. I think he was just more like just kind of an aspect for the record at that point. But, uh, I don't remember who they brought on as their drummer, uh, Josh Homme. It feels like all of his projects seem to kind of rotate in and out. And as long as he's the constant, then <laughs> it's happening. So, uh, but I remember Queens of Stone Age being really good and, you know, digging them. I think they, I don't remember what night, night it was, but they played a, a couple of Rated R songs that I'm just, I love that record. I like Rated R's fantastic record um, that probably doesn't get enough credit because they really didn't hit the scene and, and get big until uh, uh, Songs for the Deaf. So, um, but I mean, yeah, they, they were great. They played like 10 songs or so. Then the Strokes come on and uh, Strokes are great. I think Ed came out and did Juice Box with them. Um, I think he might've done it both nights if I'm not mistaken, but that like for night one, that was Ed's first public appearance of the day. So people that was, you know, the ability to, for everybody to be like, Oh my God, Ed's actually here. It's actually happening. And that kind of, that's a little amphetamine rush. Like there's the guy he's here. (laughs) Yeah. Right, right, right. Like, okay, this, this isn't a mirage. Uh, so that was very cool. And I do remember that, you know, and I think like once, you know, people were more more uh, emphatic about Queens of the Stone Age than they were Mud Honey, then people were more emphatic about the Strokes than they were Queens of the Stone Age. So I do remember night one, the Strokes opened up with Reptilia. And I just remember it felt like a soccer tra- chant in there. I don't know how big of a Strokes fan are you. Are, are, are you a Strokes fan? Like, a bit. I, okay. A bit. So Reptilia. Like they, they obviously like, yeah, fantastic. And they start that, the, that bass intro and they get into, and everybody's hyped up. They know what it is right away. And the whole crowd around me goes, and it's awesome. It is so cool. Uh, and that's like one of the few things that I remember from, from their performance, at least on night one, night two, I don't remember too much. Uh, there was so much going on that day that, that I think that, at least for the main stage bands, uh, some of that stuff kind of gets drowned out of my mind. But oh man, yeah, that was that was fantastic. That was a great moment. That at least at least my little section seemed to pick up on. I don't know uh, about you. You'll have to look at YouTube to see if there are any clips of it to see if there was a full crowd reaction of it. But um, uh, yeah, I would love to go back and see that. Uh, and uh, then you know, like. It felt like in between the strokes and Pearl Jam, there was like, what, an hour? It felt like an hour. I was just like, shit, just put your shit out there and go. Like, let's let's just get this done with because you want to have as much time for them as humanly possible. It was probably about like nine o'clock before the time they went on. It, It felt just like you were waiting the whole entire time. And while you were waiting, we it seemed like we had kind of talk to the crowd a lot and a lot of mainly my points from night two are going to be how this was a weekend of discovering who the Pearl Jam community was and where everybody came from. And it was like a pilgrimage for everybody to get there 
And for some of these people to see them for the first time or for the first time in years. And, you know, there was no, everybody was diehard there. There was nobody that, 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 you know, nobody took an inch. They were all hardcore 100% in. And it was very cool to see. And I remember that we talked to some people that were from, I believe, San Antonio. And we just kept, and, and Steve, I think, is, is better at, you know, schmoozing with people and getting to know people and, and making friends than I am. So I kind of, I attach on to what, whatever he's saying. But, uh, you know, he, he, you know, he started talking to them and, and he would talk about his experiences. And I think for these two, it was the first time they were seeing them because San Antonio was not a place that Pearl Jam's ever played before. They don't even play Texas too often. So, you know, like, I, I get it. I get the thrill of for them wanting to to do something like that, you know, and especially in that big of a circumstance. That's a, that's a huge commitment for people going going that far down. The show overall, I looked at the the numbers just time wise. I think they played for two hours and fifteen minutes. I think the show lasted. Did yeah, that feel right when I'm listening right. to the boot. Yeah. So definitely condensed, definitely condensed. And, you know, while while it was missing a little bit of something like it, you know, they tried to bring everything together um, as, as much as they could. But like I said, this was like almost like if they had a, a versus or a vitality uh, night where, you know, every, anything that could go wrong went wrong. This this was it. It was both nights were kind of definitive of what of what the band was well i think you're this crowd it seems like you know you mentioned you know these fans are all like everybody's in like obviously this was pre-announced as the pearl jam 20 festival everybody knew that it was going to be a big deal everybody knew that it was going to be a a destination event so the band knew the people coming were going to be the hardcore people this seems like one of the best crowds the most knowledgeable crowds that they've ever played for. Did you get that sense from being around and talking to people? Yeah, I did. I really did. I, I, I felt like I was in a spot where I, you know, I, I was still, I wasn't a novice Pearl Jam fan anymore, but I definitely, there was more I needed to know. And that would happen shortly after, because what would happen after PJ 20 is that the actual documentary of PJ 20 would come out. And I feel like, after watching that, I was able to put a lot of the pieces together. We're going to talk in the show about Andy Wood, and we're going to talk about Temple of the Dog, and put those pieces together that at this show, I might not have even really wondered about. I might not even thought much about what Mother Love Bone, or like, hey, what did a Mother Love Bone song sound like? I don't think I even went that far at the time, to be honest with you. Huh. Yeah, I think it was all after the PJ20 documentary came out that I'm like, shit, okay, like this is Crown of Thorns and this is what this means. And and I I, I believe I downloaded Apple off of Apple Music after that, because how could you not? So, um, yeah, like, you know, I, I felt like I learned so much more from just shit like, you know, being in the car with Steve and hearing a song and, and being like, is that slight? I remember asking him like, is that slight a hand? And it wasn't, 
or something along those lines. And I was just like, shit, like I, I thought I, I thought I knew everything. And, and there were some songs, some deep tracks that I was still fuzzy about, but yeah, man, it not just, not just like knowledgeable, but like there was a guy on night two that, you know, painted his head as an avocado and wore a blue shirt. Like everybody was just doing something fun, yeah, just yeah. celebrating. You know, they were. If if it wasn't intelligence, it was passion. So everybody had some stake in this that meant something to them. Which now I think is a good time that we can start the show. I think that's a good lead in to all of that. When you talk about passion and you talk about moments and the way that a big weekend is going to start is. With the song that pretty much starts everything important in this band's history. And that's release. And special thing that I remember from this release is that I sort of took myself out of this moment and I stopped like watching the band for a second. And I looked over at those guys from San Antonio. And I was thinking to myself, release was my first song that I saw. And I just looked over at them. And I'm just seeing them just with wide eyes just singing along arms around each other like we made it we got to this moment how did we do it like but you know we went through all of this hell even just in the, the 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 24 hours but we got there and having it be the most like resilient resolving moment that you could possibly ask for and that's that's that is my biggest takeaway from being there for that performance interesting yeah and we're going to talk a lot about and you know i mentioned that you know this is one of the best crowds ever we do not have an official bootleg for this obviously so we're getting a an audience recording of this so you do hear the crowd a lot but the crowd is great instead of saying the crowd is great on every song let's just say up front the crowd is great on every song we're not (laughs) we're not going to go through all and when when the crowd starts singing that's awesome because this is a well, set. They can list. hear a little bit of it, right? Oh yeah, this is a this is a set list full of of deep cuts, and Ed, Ed's going to talk about that. And this crowd sings along to these songs like they're the the songs from you know Ten and and Versus and Vitalogy that we talk about all the time. That are the, the yeah. bread and butter songs. Like this crowd knows every note. They know every word. They. I mean, I, I go back to, you know, the only, what it reminded me of was actually like Vic Theater, like a, a fan club show. Sure. Where you, everyone's singing along to everything. And to like, you, we might get some shows, arena shows where they might play deep cut and, and you don't hear people singing, but that is not the case here. Everyone sings along to every song. So I just want to get that out of front. We may not mention it on every song, but the crowd is great. They're singing along in every song. Yep. Release, absolutely. especially uh, the end of release, like. I think I heard those San Antonio people singing because it is, <laughs> you hear everyone here. Yeah, it's really, really good. You know, it, it was never going to start any other way than release. You know, you're going back to the very first song at the very first show. It's always going to be released. Can you see? 
arms aloft, do the evolution, got some. This is interesting little section. Uh, I am pretty sure that I didn't even recognize arms aloft until they got into the chorus because this was what a Christmas single one of the years before this, right? I think was this so. A Christmas single like 2009, 2010, something like that. 2010, maybe. Yeah. So I was familiar with it, but I didn't like, you know, like it's your second song is a cover of like Joe Strummer's band that isn't oh, Flash. Oh, it's a deep cut. Yeah. Right. The Mescalero's right. deep cut. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, I'm like, well, we're not getting the Clash, but we're getting Joe Strummer. Okay. But like, I kind of wanted to just get Corduroy. Oh, it's a like, it's a weird choice for number two here. It, yeah. It reminds me a lot of, and we talked a little bit about the Fixer early. Was it last week? Yep. And, or two weeks ago, sure. Yeah. And this reminds me a lot of that. Like it, it has that. It's very Fixer esque, and like it has that same kind of bouncy kind of poppy energy to it the way they play it and it just doesn't it didn't seem like it worked here but you you needed a hit after release like yeah you need a you need a punch after that and this is just kind of like works yeah just yeah yeah you know i don't even think i was thinking of it in that terms then but i was definitely like when you think of the waves, I was de- like, yeah, the wave was pretty high for release, and then like it just leveled out. And, yeah, like, Arms Aloft no. doesn't it, begin it to play a cover this early. Like is is weird for them. Yeah, and I'm sure Ed did so it for some choice. reason, but yeah. didn't didn't stick. Yeah. Didn't stick as well. Just do corduroy and and just get everybody jumping around. Especially we waited so long for this. We really wait that long for Arms Aloft. Yeah. Here, now here's here's something that I'll I'll bring them out to. Do you think that this set suffers from being? Is it too deep cut heavy? They like said there's no suffer- there's no corduroy, there's no even flow. I think this set suffers a from a lot of things. It's, this I set think suffers you might have from gone a lot of things. Too far. The the pendulum, if you will, swung too far in that direction, and this is just. There's, there's, we'll get. There's a couple, but there's not. You know, it, it doesn't have those anchors that like a, a set has to like propel it forward. Like a lot yeah. of the, the wave never, the wave never like crashes and breaks in like a way that we're used to, where it's like it's a moment that like hits. Right. I think I felt like around the time that breath hits, you know, middle late set. I'm just yeah. like, breath, where breath are is, we in this? Is a, breath is needed, and we'll get to that. But, yeah, yeah. I, but I had no idea like where we stood. It just kind of felt like, yeah, it, it just felt all compiled together. Like, I, I, especially that we don't have actual bootlegs for this. And I'll get into some speculation as to why in just a second. But I think that has something to do with not really remembering where things were in the set. Maybe remembering that something was played, but not. You know, that's part of the, the 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 memory aspect of this is that you remember, okay, you know, first four songs, bam, right off the bat. You know, you remember the yeah. deep cut in the middle of the set. Like, you, I think for for this, I just remember I always package education and in the moonlight together because they were here, they were at yeah. the show, like a couple songs apart. So yeah. we're gonna, uh, I mean, we're going to talk about songs here that we hardly ever talk about and, and they're one be, that we've never and one, talked about. and one that we've never talked about and they're in prominent spots in this set like it's not like oh they they buried this one in between better man and jeremy or they threw this one out but these 
this is just nonstop deep cut after deep cut after deep cut. Yeah. Uh, look, I don't have too, too much on evolution and got some uh, yeah. evolution. Just, it, it just surprised me that like so early on. And that was another nitpicky thing that I have about this performance in this show is that Ed just kind of like is not fully in tune. You got to think their last show was really bridge school from 2010, but it was really before that. Cause they were in Europe in, uh, in like June or July. And that was the last time they toured. So this is the first, do you think it was that that's like the best decision for this, that, that this was the first time that they had been playing a show in well over a year. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Something to think about. Yeah. And like coming out with evolution, a song that like, okay, you played it. The number at the time was 376 times. This is no, yeah, this is not in the moonlight or help help here. This is like this is a bread and butter song in a spot where it was getting played a lot at the time. And he comes out, he's like, and that almost took me out of the whole thing. And I kind of, hmm. I didn't really remember it until listening to it now that there were some of those moments at the show where it just, especially very early, there were just a lot of stumbles and, and, and got some, the, the only backspacer song here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago about how yeah. like the, the, the four songs that were the core songs from backspacer are the only ones that were played at this weekend. So the, they, they would play the other three the next night. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like I, I don't know where I stood with got some at the time, but yeah, it just, just okay just keep going here's interesting though the next four are no code yield no code yield no that is a pretty cool little section and i think as they uh ascended a little bit it went from like maybe the least rare to the most rare I don't know if you would consider faithful or in my tree more rare than the other. Maybe they're just like on the same in the same category, but then who you are more rare than both in my tree and faithful. And then push me, pull me way more rare than, than the rest of the three. Yeah. So it had like this cool little, you know, this little uh, synergy to it. Yeah. And in my tree is, is great. Like Mike, the solo just gets awesome. Like halfway through, he just decides to like, throw everything he knows out the window and just go off and it's great that that was another one where ed just didn't kick in at the right moment and they got lost to start the song and it just yeah kicked in it sounded really good once they got into it but like i know that 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 you like to say a lot like uh you know it's cute when they do these things but like i didn't think it was that cute at that moment i'm just like okay pick yourself up it's time to fucking go we're we, we got a show to do you know like yeah. sometimes there aren't excuses for that and I, I felt like you know for two songs in the first five to kind of mess up the beginning and not being on uh, on your best game like that's a little a little discouraging a little bit <laughs> so you know it didn't take me out of the show didn't do anything what i will say in this little section, Faithful at the time was probably a top 10 or a top five song for me. Believe it or not. We don't yeah, talk about that song very that's much you. on the show. Yeah. But yeah. right. Like at the time, I loved that song. And I think it was less of me not liking it anymore. It was more of me discovering 
how good the rest of the catalog was. And that was probably, I think, probably the first time I had heard Faithful. So I think that was fulfilling a need that was within me. And I think if you asked me at the time, uh, right after the show, I'd be like, oh, Faithful, that, that's probably a highlight. Like, you know, okay. good moment, good performance. Uh, and in the middle, in the middle of the, the No Code Yield, No Code Yield, um, Ed addresses the crowd. And this is a memorable moment and very, very cool moment. He says, making it 20 years was probably easier than some of you making it here tonight. Welcome to PJ20. Welcome to Queens of the Stone Age 14. Welcome to the Strokes 12. Welcome to Liam Finn 14. Welcome to Mud Honey 23. And then there's a guy who started with a group called X. Welcome to John Doe 34. Appreciate you all waiting in the rain. Proud to look around and see the people connected to each other. Let's play some songs we might not normally play. One reason we can attempt because we have friends here. They invite Liam Finn, Joe Arthur, uh, Glenn Hansard, and Mud Honey's Dan Peters out. And they do Who You Are with a whole backing section to that, which uh, sounded very good. And and the, the tribal beginning, I got some Jack flashbacks off of that. And, and like that was one of the things that was one of my predictors from the night that I, I thought that one every one of the drummers was going to get a piece in this show and that, that obviously did not happen but would have been very very cool if if at least jack would show up for one of these two songs in my career who you are that he's so popular popular for for playing on was uh was was either dan peters or liam finn helping out on drums or were they all helping out on drums what was the breakdown on this no i think they were all singing backup okay yeah I, I, I'm pretty sure, but I yeah. honestly, I don't remember, and I should have went back. And I did watch some of the video, and I didn't take down notes when I was watching the video. I just took notes when I was listening to the boot. So, but I remember they had this little like behind a stack of amps, like kind of their heads were pe- peeping out behind there, and and uh, there were a couple songs that they did that for. Um, one of them was "Reach Down" later in the night, where there was just whoever they got like it's not like they announced a bunch of guys it was probably ed just kind of motioned to a couple people backstage come on let's go yeah switch them out yeah right but yeah i think it's also to a lot of those guys they didn't get to play you know joe arthur liam finn didn't get to play so yeah like all right let's get you on stage let's get you a moment you know and ed and ed fucks it up again he does yes yeah so but again and 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 push me pull me fucks it up again Right, these are not songs they play. Yeah, but but, I, the, but the crowd is singing along to "Push Me, Pull Me." That well, has never re- happened. You remember the point that I brought up during "Push Me, Pull Me" a couple weeks ago is that I like to hear when the crowd realizes when they're hearing the song. They realize it like at the first lyric. The, yeah. you know, I had a false yeah. belief. They're like, "Oh my god, it's Push Me, Pull Me!" That was so cool. That was awesome. Yep. Uh, the next song is a debut, and then they're going to go and they're going to invite another guest onto the stage. Uh, Setting Forth is a live debut here. And afterwards, and he's told this story before at the shows, yep. that this is a special request from Matt Cameron, that he wanted to start playing it. And I went back and I looked at like how many times were Into the Wild songs played at Pearl Jam shows at the time. Huh. And really, Setting Forth has been the prominent one, but, yep. you know, later on, they do Society. I think you were at a show where they did Rise. Jackson. Uh, um, I think it was Columbia. Oh, yeah, I always get that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I have seen Rise. Yeah. Um, and, 
then I went back and I looked in 2008, I believe, in Virginia Beach. They played Guaranteed. Hmm. So I don't remember. I don't think I've ever listened to a recording of that. And, and if you want to count it as an Into the Wild song, then sure, but no more. Which was, I think, like an addition on the Amazon Music. Although uh, it was the, the seven inch, if you bought like the the ten club vinyl, there was a seven inch of no more included. Right, right, yeah, but it wasn't on, wasn't in the movie, wasn't on the original no. No. track. So yeah, I mean, like, I much later on they would use setting forth into not for you as kind of like this big transition where you know you get that kind of drums that can roll into not for you the same way you can kind of do with with lucan and we've talked about that on the show before where they've taken that opportunity and one where they haven't taken that opportunity and uh i i love that lead and i really do and uh, obviously you know that's not really there for the taking yet they have to introduce Julian Casablancas to the stage, and uh, and that's how that's how they get out for you. But but uh, setting forth after the debut here, forty more times have been played. So it, it, it yeah. got it got its due. Julian Casablancas comes out on stage, kind of doing some harmonizing, and maybe this is inadvertent. But did you hear what he did? Kind of when he was like you know doing his humming and 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 stuff, sort of in the bridge part. the jeremy i think he does the i think he does that from jeremy yeah okay i didn't really i, I listened yeah, to I mean, the strokes like every every there was just a you know a lot of you know we're kind of at the 20th anniversary of of is this it so there have been a lot of like strokes articles i mean they always talk about oh we just like we just listen to pearl jam like they were <laughs> they were big into into those those early Pearl Jam records, so yeah, he's he's gone on record as saying that that those were a big influence on him. So yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. But I, I really like this this not for you. I think this is absolutely one of the highlights. I like the little scronky guitar at the beginning. The solo was nuts. I, I, I yeah. know Stone usually takes a solo. Was this a Stone solo? Uh, can't remember. Yeah, but, it sounds uh, like yeah, it it's usually been. a Stone one. It's, right. It's nuts. And then I I like like you know it, it's. You know, you listen to Julian, he's like, I'm singing with my favorite band. Like, it's adorable. Like, how can you not love that? Like, yeah, it's, I, I really like this version. I like this performance. Trading off in the, in the bridge verses. Uh... this was the first song that I really felt locked in 
yeah. that I felt like you know kind of all right we're at we're we're doing this and this feels big now this feels important this isn't just a, a Pearl Jam show or you know the, like we're we're not just hearing songs like this is this is leading to something so very very cool in the moonlight deep I'm just gonna package these together I got some to say on both we don't this is the live debut for in the moonlight. And it's been played four times. We've covered what one of the other four. Well, one of the times was the Wells Fargo Center show that wasn't the show we did last week, so no on that. The other time was Saskatoon, not the Saskatoon show we did, but the 2011 Saskatoon. And then the other one we did uh, a while ago. Um, I, I, I don't even think you were a co-host at the time because I did that show with Eddie Quintana. That was Tampa, yeah, uh, 2016. So, yeah. I, like, those are the four. So. Yeah, and, and unfor- like, there's going to be a song that I want to spend a little bit of time on because we've never done it before, but I guess, you know, In the Moonlight with, with Josh Homme and, you know, he, listening to it and listening to his backing vocals on it, I'm like, Jesus, this feels like one of those Queens of the Stone Age Desert songs, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's right probably, in on Rated R. It was probably written as a kind of an homage to his style. get on a on like a big 10 song like people like oh like it's like everyone knows this is the first time they played it They're like, oh cool right yeah right. this is yeah it's really really cool to hear and it's and like we you know we kind of mentioned earlier there was some fuck-ups but this is paced really well they get through really well I, I, again really good it's not an easy song to play live because I think yeah. the other time that we did cover the song, I remember saying like it was a little weird the way that Ed's cadence was singing the song, like the pacing of it. Again, if you're not doing the right pacing, it could sound a little bit different than what the album sounds like. But I find I find it really interesting that Josh Homme's out there and he's doing a song that's debuting for the first time, a, a deep, deep, deep cut from the binaural uh, sessions. And that's a lost dog that's been out for probably what five, six, seven years at the time, and that's the choice for him. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And oh, that that just makes me think like, yeah, they he's either either they shit. asked him what song he wanted, and he was like that one because like I could have written that. Yeah, or right. Else it was written like in his style, and they said we're gonna do this, but we want you to do it. Right. Yep. Yeah. And there's a really electric solo on that too. That that's yeah, yeah. in my stone ear. But it, I think it was probably Mike on that. So, uh, yep, great. Matt Cameron song. Matt Cameron always picks up the bass on that. Sounds really good. You know, Deep was actually a highlight for me then. Because Deep, while we get In the Moonlight and we'll get Help Help and we'll get Education and before we get some of the, the, the No Code stuff, which I had heard both those No Code songs that were played, 
uh, at previous shows, but Deep felt like a song that I wasn't even considering was a possibility. That's how off the radar it was. Like, when they went into that, like, just wow, like, I had a legit shocked face. I didn't think I'd ever hear this song. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've heard it a couple of times since then, but um, yeah, I I loved it when I heard it there. I thought it, like, great. We're getting a a 10, not just a deep cut, but it's a 10 deep cut. So it feels like, you know, it's in my wheelhouse. It's shit that I know. It's shit that I love. Like, yeah, I wasn't fully like adapted to the, the the deep 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 lost lost dogs like much much past like hard to imagine and and wash and fatal and, and stuff like that like that stuff was all in my wheelhouse but uh in the moonlight and education were a little bit obscure for me at the time so like getting deep right after that that felt like yeah that that was that was one for me and then a great great performance and i thought matt was a huge standout on it yeah the Especially. ending is the ending is really cool yeah it's, it's the first time they played it since 2009 almost two years I was about to say yeah the whole yeah. entire 2010 tour they didn't play it at yeah. all it's a yeah. lengthy layoff and uh yeah nailed the version very very good and it seemed like you know we had released open but then it was a lot of like not a Middle. lot of early stuff played yeah. and, and deep is kind of the beginning of like okay no verses right and we're like we're gonna bring this into the station here and you're gonna get some like you're gonna we're gonna go back and play some older stuff here so they start sprinkling in some of the older songs near the end of the set and i think that's that's really well done that that's definitely needed i think deep and breath kind of deep almost is like the even flow spot at this point like yes. here's the one that here's the one that everybody knows here's the the old one that everybody can sing along to and freak out to but instead of even flow they switched up with deep because this is the the knowledgeable cool crowd who can sure. who can handle it yeah. right and i think deep and breath are absolutely anchors in the set oh yeah for sure for yeah. sure here though we don't get to say this very often unless it's like a cover and really when it's a cover it's like okay it's a cover and yeah like they'll play covers three or four times but it just depends on if we're doing that error a lot but as an original song right now we after this not gigaton notwithstanding have one more original song that we have never ever talked about and it's and it's one that'll never be played again but this one help help is the first time in three years that we have covered this song in any capacity how about that yeah, I'm going through and looking like only 13 times. And 13. We've, this was we've the barely tenth. missed it a couple of times. We've been in and around it. Right. But now, we, yeah. we will do it again because obviously we're doing the hometown series. So we will do it again later in the year when we do the Seattle Night One because mm-hmm. they do bust it out then. And it had like a nice little resurgence in, in 2018. Why? What's going yeah, twice, and they'd had the the help uh, intro to yeah. it, so yeah. they, they made the it help, a thing. Help, help. And it, trilogy, yeah, <laughs> trilogy, and you get help three songs. Yeah, right. Uh, but like, I don't, you know, I don't think I, I I thought much of this song for a while, and even you know, in the days where I've I, I've been a host of this show and been researching on this show, I didn't think I thought much of it. It's a cool fucking song, though. When you it get is. down to the nitty gritty of it, yeah, just I, like I like the song. The, 
the way that it just it's dark and it just progressed that guitar sound in the chorus while it's gonna help me underrated i think maybe in 2018 they're like yeah we kind of like it too and boom on this too you finally hear yeah. some piano like it sounds great yeah kind of takes the spotlight on this sounds awesome this is the first time they've played it since in 233 shows since the yeah. hershey 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 pennsylvania in 2003 i oh, believe three. it's that yeah so it's it says 712 and I know that 7-Eleven was Mansfield. I know that 714 was Hamdol. That means it can only be Hershey. And uh, yeah, they, they weren't they, not they, they had done it in Mansfield, the, the first Mansfield show. I think they did it. Right. Yep. So, I mean, I think studio-wise, it's sneaky good. But I think it's really sneaky good when you get a good live version of this, which obviously you don't get much. So, yeah, it's that, that back half of Riot Act with, like, your your half fulls and yeah, right. you know, some of those little kind of stomps that they're on that record they have riot acts the back half of riot act is is all over the place and weird but there's some great stuff in there yep and this yeah i i, I don't sleep on it just don't sleep on it anymore i think i slept on it for about 20 years nah hmm. it's, uh, it hasn't even been out for 20 years but you know what i mean however yeah. long but yeah help help is is a great song and uh can't wait till we get to do it again and and you know, it, this this set feels a little bit rushed because there's so much to get through. But hopefully, when we get to the next time we cover it, we'll be able to go a little bit more in depth. Uh, this section, okay, we we just need to take like a happiness break here because the the last four, not for you, angry in the moonlight, just like a little trippy, deep, angry, help, help, just all kind of different emotions. I think breath was the absolute perfect way to get. The crowd feeling energy, energetic, and positive and jubilant again. Like this brought life back to the Alpine Valley. Yeah. And that's from what I was talking about is this show was in desperate need of like a given to fly, a corduroy, something to like, even like a present tense, like something to one of those, because there's just none of those like soaring like songs in this like that you that get you going and like lift you up like in my tree is like a little bit do the evolution is a little bit but those are so early yeah like, and not for you sometimes can be that but having you know julian come out and sing on it kind of makes it a little weirder and yeah breath here is like 
you hear, I mean, every you hear the the release in the crowd, like, oh my god, like finally, yes. And now I have to bring Steve into the equation here because going back to Madison Square Garden night two, 20, 2010, uh, he sold me his ticket. He sold me his ten club ticket because he was a groomsman for a wedding, so he couldn't make it, and he sold me his ticket and during the show he's just like what's going on what's going on and i'm run- i'm running down it's like the first eight songs in. i'm running the whole thing down I'm like well it was corduroy and then it was hell hell and then it was this and that and then breath and he's like oh my god you got fucking breath you got fucking breath. and like he's so mad at this point I, th- I thought he was like never gonna talk to me again because i you know took took his breath ticket away from him and you took prob- his breath away. I took his breath. Yeah, huh? I took his breath away. I did write that. I said, <laughs> I, no, I actually made a comment uh, because I feel like we haven't covered this on the show in a very long time. So I said, we've been breathless. Uh-huh. We're out of breath. Uh-huh. <laughs> so same, same energy there. Same, same dad joke energy. Yeah. I remember Steve just being elated, just being like, yes, like everything. And, and I'm glad that he didn't have to wait until night two to get it, that he got it like pretty fairly early on. And like it felt like there was a weight off of his back that he was just like, I got what I wanted and I'm cool with whatever else happens the rest of the show. Because I remember him, him mentioning Breath uh, a, a lot beforehand. And he was just like, that's that's the one I want. That's the one I want. So I'm, I'm happy for him that he got it. And it was, uh, it was in a good moment. You hear the whole entire crowd do the, if I knew where oh, yeah. it was, I would take you there. we didn't know then but now whenever I sing that and whenever you feel that you, you think of the PJ20 moment where Ed is screaming it in the security guard's ear and how powerful that is and that was like his first like breakout like I'm in charge yeah. right I'm in charge up here on this stage and this is my this is my kingdom and I'm taking I'm taking control like oh man I, and such a cool tie-in when 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 you think of that performance and a couple weeks later the doc comes out and you see that like yes loved it education once state alum and trust educate like education has liam finn on it and he introduces liam finn and, and uh, these songs in this section it, it's kind of like i'm gonna call it the uh the nepotism the the nepotistic uh, section here because we get two kind of you know Second rock and generation. roll yeah. Gen- right, second generation rock rock star uh, here with Liam Finn and Danny Harrison. Wait, oh, uh, don't don't sleep on Liam Finn here. I saw him open I, up for Brad Solo in 2009 and immediately went out intense. and bought his record. Like Liam Finn is awesome. Like yeah, that that I'll be lightning record. Like I love that record. 
he has got he's a great songwriter he's a great multi-instrumentalist he can do everything like oh liam finn's fantastic yeah i i, I that was definitely a highlight of of night two was watching his set and and yeah. he just has like just just amazing amount of energy it feels like you know if, if you ever wanted to watch zach galifianakis play on a stage because he kind of looks like that and like with that kind of like humoristic energy that he has like imagine that like that that that's how i equate that to yeah, he's, I don't know he's so I'm talented wrong. yeah i mean i i love Liam Finn. i thought that was cool like you know again they're bringing more guys out for this education not one that i was really into at the time it's one that I, that i like now but don't love like i think it's like in somewhere in the middle for me where you know i'll, I'll never turn it off but i'm never like ah i need educate i need that education version right now but uh this this would be one of the better ones it's only been played like 10 12 times something like that First time uh, nine, nine times yep nine times for this so only two times after that so that's that's fairly important to mention there but once state of love and trust i mean you're going back to your you know 10 era stuff and you know with breath once state of love and trust going back to deep and then earlier with release like you're really sticking in that time period there and, and kind of paying tribute to almost the full 20 years if you want to say that you think it's a little bit of uh both the singles here because you know you have mud honey there mud honey's on the single soundtrack yeah i think that i think they definitely wanted to get both of those songs in here yeah you're getting kind of like like i said sprinkling in these older songs here and they could have gone a lot of different ways like all those songs from 10 are there for them to pick but they chose the two from singles i think that was on purpose yeah, I, I, I am. I'm not surprised by that. And yeah. especially they kind of like they almost bookend because when you get into Better Man, they kind of take a break and, and help yeah. help feels like it's kind of on its own or, or, you know, in with deep and in the moonlight. But but breath, you know, this is a very energetic, energetic, positive section here. Breath through State of Love and Trust once is has a lot of energy. State of Love and Trust, by the way. Another thing that we brought up in the Boston show, same era, so a lot of these same things are going to happen. But remember when I mentioned that in State of Love and Trust, Ed hit that Yeah. This was the show. Big moment here. I didn't, and I, and again, that's another aspect of not having this bootleg that I just don't quite remember these versions. So hearing that and, like, knowing in my head, like, fuck, I know I've heard him sing that before and, and going for years and years and years and not finding that not realizing it's right in front of me it was a show that I was at uh, and yeah it's not a real bootleg but or actually it is a, it is a real bootleg but it's you know not anything yeah. that was officially released and then I think hearing this moment I got very very excited because then it all came back it all came back for that now, so. here's, the, here's the thing now they they just did we just got the the stream of Moline yeah. Where they announced that everyone can can go in and watch that over over the weekend. Why wouldn't they like how cool would it have been if they had come out and been like, here's PJ twenty official go I mean watch it would it. be amazing, but like I think that's like if that's thinking too time, big. If there was ever a time. They've been yeah, so that... good during this during the you know, the this quote unquote quarantine, like about releasing stuff and we we've they released all these shows and these awesome videos and these un, unseen footage and everything like uh, that would have been such a huge like burst like especially before them right before they come back 
yeah to hit with something like this and get everyone super excited for something like new and to get everyone talking about them again it would have been i think it's a missed opportunity for them like, i don't know why they're like what i don't know what you're waiting for if you weren't going to do it now yeah right like when when is the question is it yeah. like like an opportunity to make money way later down the line when when you know the band's not playing live much anymore like like why yeah. why hold that yeah. stuff and the reason why I think this show, especially for a lot of the earlier stuff and just how just clunky it was with some of those songs early, maybe maybe Ed just went back there and said, fuck it, I, I don't want this going out. I, yeah, like, I, like, I'm not I, happy with this. But they, they're, I think we're, we're almost like they, they just say fuck it all the time to stuff now. Like, why be precious about these performances now? Like, it's 10 years later. No one's going to care. I no don't one's going to watch it and be like, oh, this, that wasn't good. He messed up. He I, came in at the wrong time on that song. Like, I don't I can't have an see answer. I not being that precious about it anymore. I don't have an answer. Yeah, and it's weird. I kept thinking that when we did the deep, when we were writing for deep, I really, when we were on that, that Zoom call, I'm like, oh, I, I, the, the one thing I want to ask is if we're doing 2013, how are they not going to release London and, and Wrigley? Like, it's it's there. It's ripe for the taking. It would be like a special dessert on top of this delicious, yeah. delicious cake yeah. that they're they're just hand feeding everybody. And it, no, they they decide not to do that. And it would have been the perfect time. Yeah. But and like this this whole show isn't even on YouTube. Night two is. Yeah, but right. You can't even you can't even sit down and watch this whole show. Yeah, you can see the indiv- I I watched most of the individual clips, but yeah, uh, like, yeah. what, what the hell are you doing? You're you're going through and you're typing in every single song to, yeah. There's nothing fun about that. So yeah, yeah I, I I agree. Missed opportunities. What are you waiting for? If you know, I kind of thought to myself, if they are going to do anything with these two shows, that it might be a compilation because of some of the things that I mentioned before, a clunky evolution, a clunky uh, in my tree, a clunky who you are. Like maybe they'd just take almost like a, a let's play two and take the, a compilation, the best of the two nights. You think which, it's, I mean, this I could be barking up the wrong tree here, but do you think it's because of all the guests that they don't have like copyright or but it's their songs like it's maybe their, some of the right. maybe some of the it guests felt like, like they'd say no what yeah i don't know it's weird yeah it, it's tough it's tough speculating over but yeah that that's, maybe it's that's the my appearances. only thought. like if you if you even have appearances like you know pearl jam couldn't be credited on mirrorball as pearl jam cuz they were on a different label like right maybe it's they some just contractual release this pearl jam and friends right thing yeah yeah it's weird something like that yeah. but that's 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 really a shame that's yeah. really a shame okay back into the show um i don't look on on my bootleg i don't know if we have the same bootleg because because uh we didn't we didn't trade off for the, for this one I, i've had this just sitting in my in my files for yeah. for a while but yeah. you can hear somebody audibly screaming just a girl a few times at this point do you have <laughs> is that the same boot that I, you had I did not. I did not write. I did, that didn't okay. stick out to me. Yeah, but that's interesting though. If, a little there was too ever rare. A, time. a little too rare for this show. Yeah. There's rare stuff here, but that is. Uh, you, you don't want to eat that meat off the bone. <laughs> uh, so Ed just wants to see all the people and says everyone looks great and wants to make sure everybody feels great and everybody's a little bit wet and exhausted. But yep. Yep, we're great. That's essentially my response. Just keep playing songs because we know you don't have that much time. So, Better Man, Waste of Reprise, Life Wasted. Ed doesn't even try. 
Ed is just like, all right, this is your song. Go ahead. You know yeah. the drill. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yep, you're right. We we do. We've heard this, uh, what, 300, 400 times before? Yep, we, we can sing better, man. That's for fucking sure. And it's all crowd. It's all crowd moment. And, um, you know, pretty classic standard save it for later tag. Uh, and looking at everything in the main set, like when you think of the popular songs, and you can't even say singles because neither Better Man or Evolution were singles, but they're the only ones in this set that at the time were play in the main set at least that at the time they were played over uh 400 times uh well evolution is close to 400 times but state of love and trust yeah. is at at 329 so like uh, yeah is, like yeah, not for you those are technically tops. the only single that's played yeah so, uh, life wasted was released as a single i think video, uh, video. yeah i think so i don't yeah. i don't think i remember the singles from avocado but i, I guess that that and worldwide suicide war so yeah. that makes sense yeah. but yep i mean it's like it's exactly what you want it's exactly what you want from that but this is cool so we get serenaded by booms b3 playing the organ on the reprise of wasted and he you know ed you know every everybody in the crowd immediately is just showering boom and ed speaks about boom he's like ah he's been there for 10 years and it's been the best 10. ed goes into this whole little uh little speech here and this speech is really nice and i love when he uses wasted reprise to kind of just let himself talk and let himself you know get what's off his mind out, out there in the ether kid and you want to play music, you listen to music, you can't stop listening to music, you think it's the most powerful force in the universe, and it gives you things and you follow things and teach yourself things, and there's a time when uh, the adults around you are being very practical, and uh, you can almost respect them for it, but they say, you know, that ain't gonna happen. That's a dream, and uh, other guys do that, and you're not going to do that. You got to have connections, you got to have, like, your dad's not a musician, he's not going to help you. Uh, best get yourself just a nice construction job, or maybe something working down at the Long's Drug Store. For, uh, but I, I think all of us on this stage went through that, and I'm just so proud of Whatever those kids we were back then, we just didn't listen because we, we we told them it could maybe someday it'd be like this. And for it to be like this, I mean, it's really against the odds. It's really against the odds, but even if it was like. These ten people, I think these five, six people would still be playing music. So, uh, I just kind of want to thank that kid that I was back then for sticking up for his guns and hanging out to his passion. I'm facing life 
important impassioned speech one of many that defines this weekend john it really does it's just so poignant and it and furthermore speaks to like the generation gap that baby boomers and generation x had that you know baby boomers just were way more practical and told generation x you can't do this you can't do that you can't do that and all the, that generation did was okay well watch me well, every and generation does that, right? Every generation uh, tells uh, well, the next one, yes. like, oh, well, you, you should do things our way because we're older and we know, and the, and it's up to the, the younger generation to be like, no, we're going to make our own way. We're going to do yeah. things our own way. So yeah. yeah, but I think that boomers out, you know, after the 60s, boomers were like, okay, you know, let's get a straight and narrow here and let's, let's, let's think that our whole lives were, were pretty normal up until that point. You know, I, I, I don't think they took a lot of risks. I don't know. My parents didn't. Maybe they did a little bit, but but the, the the funniest thing on this for me is when he, you know, at the very beginning he says hard to imagine and there's a cra- bunch of people <laughs> go like, "Oh, oh, do that one." Yeah, 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 we're getting that. Oh, awesome. And then it, no, you don't get that. That's a really good point. People were very quick to like make assumptions about this whole yeah. entire weekend and yeah. to be like Anytime they hear hear something, they're, they're playing that tonight. They're playing that tonight. Like yeah. it just, yeah. you know, like the the just a girl thing. Like, oh, they're gonna do just a girl. Right, uh, right, right. Oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna do that. Oh for sure. I I, I talked to someone who knows. I talk. I, I heard. I heard that. I heard a rumor that they're gonna do. So somebody's friend was at soundcheck and and they heard it. Yeah, it's yeah. You want to talk about rumors? Stuff going on. Yeah. We're about to get into like rumor rumor central here mm-hmm. when we get into the encore. Um, Life wasted closes this main set. Um, it's look like life wasted is this one of these arena rock songs that I think lyrically is much more poignant than the way that yeah. the music um, it's uh, never lived up to its it. potential live. I think no, it's just like it might be how how long the 2006 tour was and how this just always was a constant in that era and it, it maybe for a lot of people this and worldwide suicide became tiring and i don't know i went through my phases where i liked the song enough and i just i you know avocado backspacer don't stick as well i think the stuff that stuck at that time don't stick anymore but like now songs like inside jobs stick a lot better. And like, that's the thing to take away from this record instead of life wasted. So, yeah. uh, I mean, the lyrics are incredible. Darkness comes in waves. Tell me why I invited to stay. Yeah, uh, that, like, that part's great. Amazing. But like the, the other, the, the verse part like that. Dun, 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 it's, it's just, it's, it's very generic, yeah, it's generic arena rock. Yeah. yeah it's, yep, it does, does nothing. And the song, like it needs something else. It just, it never, it never lived up to, I think, what it was supposed to be or what they thought it was going to be. Right. We're at the encore where we usually pause for station identification, but I mean, we did so much of that earlier, and I just want to get through the set. 
I will just real quickly just say, uh, if you haven't visited the website yet, liveinfourlegs.com, uh, we're very proud of it, and we hope you all are enjoying it, and um, there will be more. Weekly, there will be more. This this week, we're going to have more PJ20-related content. Uh, Paul Wirt, who we mentioned before, is going to write something. I'm going to write a little bit something, kind of expanding on a point that I made uh, earlier in this episode. So uh, if you're interested in, in just reading more of what uh, our voices have to say, then uh, head on over to the website. And if you'd like to contribute to everything that we've been doing lately and, and help out the show and get some more exclusive episodes out of that, that should be coming your way at some point in the future. Uh, Patreon.com slash live and four legs. And uh, yep, every uh, we mentioned all of the patrons before we did that whole thing, which is usually meant for here. Uh, but uh, again, thank you to everybody that, that contributed and for a fantastic cause for the project matters. So uh, we'll be talking about that more as, as the weeks go forward into see here now. All right, back to the rock into the encore. We're figuring the shit out at, like we never played a 20 year show before. Here's the thing. If you didn't know when your birthday was, how old would you feel? Uh, music keeps you young. Now, a little teaser in a rearview mirror. Uh, rearview mirror. This is interesting because, like most of the set, like the the rule book is thrown out the window. And rearview mirror, you would think like, okay, set up for a really big moment at the end of a set with a song like this. Why? I don't want to say they. This was a throwaway here, but it, it wasn't. Not like just. You mentioned with stuff like giving a fly and corduroy before, like sometimes you just need predictability. It, it's not it's not the predictability, it's just that you need you need moments. You need like that it's wave to too. break. You need yeah. that you need this you need that cathartic thing where the, everybody in the crowd can kinda get lifted up and keep going because you know, these sets are long. Even two hours and fifteen minutes is a long time for a band to play. Yeah. And you you need those kind of like things to lift everybody up and keep them going and keep them with you or you're gonna, you're going to lose people. And you know, they're obviously not going to lose this crowd because, you know, that's there these are the hardcore people, but you you still got to give them, you know, something to grab onto. And and this encore definitely does that. Um, <laughs> right, right. We're and, not saying we're yeah. just this is a, a one-shot comment on uh, yeah. the way to use rearview mirror, yeah, which like, is why obviously not, not the most important thing. Yeah, why not put this before the encore? Have it be the end because right the jam is super good. It like kind of gets hypnotic. Like it, it's really really cool. Jeff is doing something different. Like he normally plays that same like four-note run every time, and he's doing something different on the last note. He's going to like a different part and. It, Sounds really cool. It's like he's going they to like, kept, into like a minor. They kind of kept damn, teasing. Matt Cameron on this is fucking amazing at the end. Like they kind of kept teasing that that, that yeah. the bass would come in. Like you would yeah. think, and, and it felt like okay, it was it was a little quick to get to that moment where they're about to stop and get the bass. But they they kind of do that, and then they build again, and you're like, oh, okay, cool, more of this, and then then they go back uh, and and hit the bass back in, into the ending of the song. So then it was cool little aspects of it that yeah, I think that this gets a better reaction to end the main set than Life Waste, one hundred percent. Yeah, weird choice. And maybe like, and again, 
we didn't mention it too, but there is a long break in between yeah. Life Wasted and Rearview Mirror, and you gotta think that they were they were practicing, getting in some uh, last minute practice yeah. for what was coming up. Yeah, it's it's a it's an extended extended encore break. Did do you remember thinking that? Like they've been gone a long time. Uh yeah. Yeah, I think that after about five or ten minutes we were just like, okay, like the light the house lights are, are not on, so we're still getting something, but shit, like, should we go to the bathroom? Like what should we do in yeah, this moment? Yeah. And it's just it's just like everything else that day, just frustrating. You know? So but look all the rumors that happened and all the rumors that were swirling around, everything from Bono to Dave Grohl to Neil to ooh, Tom Petty. Uh, what else did I hear? Jesus. Springsteen. Um, I think I remember hearing a Springsteen. Of course. Thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, people made shit up just just yeah. sitting down and, and like coming up with dream scenarios. Like, like I mentioned before, the thing that I, that I thought in my head, I'm like, okay, it's probably not happening, but it would be cool if Cruzen played a song, if Abrazes played a song, if even Chamberlain was maybe there. And, and of course, Jack Irons, like I thought that that would have been a cool way to kind of bring everybody into it. But, you know, I, I'm glad that the person that they brought out had the ties to the band that he did. Because this makes a whole lot of sense for the way that they wanted to pay tribute to this night. And of course, I don't really have to give it an introduction. If you know the show, you know that it's Chris. Chris Cornell. And and the moment like Ed says his name and the crowd explodes out of their seats. Well, this is, uh, this is probably the night, the, uh, part of the night that we've been looking It's not something that happens every day, and uh, back in the day it used to happen more often. But uh, it's a—it's uh, really something when it happens like this. Uh, we'd like to have our friend Chris Cornell. It was—it was like they just won the World Series, you know. Soundgarden had not yet gotten back together, right? Or it was they had just it gotten back together. Was, yeah, it was just starting to reform. Yeah. I think 2011, uh, 2011 King to 2012, King 2013, Animal. right? Or yeah, something like that. One of those. Right yeah, that yeah. I think it was before Lightning Bolt, but in the middle, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So you know, I don't. You know, I, th- I think a radio station said, you know, kind of teased it and said, Chris Cornell will be here. And and that was the number one rumor. Maybe, you know, Neil was a very, very close to, uh, but you know, uh, like it makes sense from so many different standpoints. And I think at the time I just had this weird sinking feeling, especially after the show, when you look at what the encore is and all I want from this is I just want to celebrate Pearl Jam. And I didn't get, I didn't get the importance of Mother Love Bone, of Temple of the Dog, of some of this stuff that, like, this was the first time that they were performing together as Temple of the Dog in 20 years. This is the first time that Stone and Jeff had played Stardog Champion in over 20 years, 22, 23 years, maybe. Yeah. So, like, that stuff 
is lost on me a little bit because I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm entitled, obviously, as I mentioned before, I'm a, I'm a spoiled little brat. And you have to, you look at this encore and they do only play two original Pearl Jam songs to finish the show, which is a little yeah. surprising. And, you know, I, I still feel this air of disappointment, even with everything that did happen in this spot, this little, uh, you know, Temple of the Dog uh, re- reunion here. What I assumed it was going to be at the time was I'm just like, okay, he's just here to do Hunger Strike and that's it. And I didn't expect for there to be like a mini set. And nor did I really want it at the time. I just, I I think you were in the minority there. Yes, because I hadn't lived it. I hadn't lived it. And look, I got my redemption moment. I went to see Temple of the Dog when they did the reunion for the 25th. And that like, it felt like sent them a personal apology note and Yes. Well, yeah. I, I mean, uh, everything worked out in the end for sure. So uh, that's a little bit of you know my 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 past speaking, but a little bit of my now speaking can can speak to Star Dog Champion and say hello to heaven and the connections that the two songs to have have to Andy Wood and how important they are here. And you can tell within the way that Stones playing that groove and within the Jeff like at first they're just. The, almost you can sense like some tears coming down their eyes like oh my god like where did we where did this come when was the last time we ever even thought about Stardog Champion this is probably one of Mother Love Bone's best songs by the way it's you know top three it's like this Crown of Thorns and uh, you know Man of Golden Words or Stargazer what are you saying I don't I, you don't like Stardog it's, I don't love the Mother Love Bone version I, and Mother Love Bone is, again, not one of my favorite bands. It's a little too cheesy, a little 80s. It's glam. Yeah. And, and but the whole star, and like, like, eh, pass. Like, eh, whatever. Like, it sounds like Guns N' Roses to me. Like, I don't, it doesn't do anything for me. I, you know, I, Crown of Thorns is great. That's, that, that, they that, have, that, oh, that, mo- that, that, that is Axl yeah. Rose to a T. Mother Love Bone has one good song in my opinion. It's, it's you don't like Man of Golden Words, really. And it's just it just doesn't do anything for me. Huh. It's not. It's I will. Not style. I will say I don't love Mother Love. Them. Like I, I those the those songs that I mentioned are probably the song like Holy Roller. I think is a pretty decent glam song. And again, I think I appreciate it more because it has a, a, a you know a connection with Pearl sure. Jam. Yeah, of course, of course. But like if this was just a standalone kind of Guns N' Roses era band that was just around at the time and probably like eh, it's just yeah they're more important in, in historical context like yes they they were not you know and, and the times times were different in the late 80s yes like maybe they would have blown up and, and gotten big but they were uh, they were not they were not like uh gonna set the world on fire yeah how uh i mean this maybe is a conversation, that's a hot maybe. Take, i don't know well, this is a conversation for another time, but it's funny that like they with Mother Love Bone were attaching themselves to something that was about to to flame out, but then yeah, with Pearl like, Jam, they were getting Andy, in on something that was about to blow up. Right, and maybe, but maybe Andy would have like, because you know, a, an unbelievable talent. You know, I'm not denying that at all. I just think that maybe he. Needed, he he was he would have been better suited to a band like Pearl Jam, not a band like Mother Love Bone. 
Yeah, I mean, I, think, I just, don't. I, his, I don't think like. I just the, the glam thing doesn't do anything. No disrespect to like Bruce Merriweather or anybody else that, that was in the band. I can't remember their other guitar player. Um, Gilmore, Greg Gilmore. Yeah, yep, Greg Gilmore. Um, no, no disrespect to them, but it's not Mike McCready and it's not sure. like Dave Abrazes or Matt Cameron. You know, yeah. like they're 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 fine, but like getting McCready and Cameron especially, they are all world musicians. There's a reason why Pearl Jam's in the Hall of Fame, and it's because two of that, the two of them are that damn talented. Like, there's, yeah, yeah that, and like, but then, but why not do Crown of Thorns here? Like, well, I think they, it's because they had done it. That's like Ed's. That's Ed's song. Yeah. And if they're gonna do, you know, I'm sure Chris chose it. And look, Chris and Andy's friendship, and this is another thing that you know you can attach to this era and how you know this grunge scene quote unquote kind of blew up is that i wonder because think about what soundgarden was doing at the time before andy passed away it's like big big dumb sex and louder and love and shit like that like that was just like kind of kind of just club music and like good and fun but not they were not a different what, band yes i think once andy passed away and chris wrote the songs for temple of the dog and then wrote bad motor finger and then would go on to write super unknown that's where he locked himself in. he said okay andy's gone i have to do this i at like i have yeah. to take this seriously yeah. and Could like be. write songs that that mean something to me instead of just like you know just being a patsy on stage and taking my shirt off and running around uh you know like they of course he would do that serious. but yeah yeah, but like now the songs off those records that I mentioned have depth. They have like just beautiful meaning to them, and I I, I have to think that a lot of that stems from just the loss of Andy and yeah. what it meant to him, and and that probably was a turning point, a huge turning point in his life. And that's so, a big thing in the movie too. Like they were yeah. they were writing songs every day, trying to right. each other. Yeah. Ah. Uh, and of course, so we spent a lot of time. That's really the Stardog champion, but uh, say hello to heaven. And, you know, like this is Andy's song. And yeah. all I'll say is that, I mean, this, this might be, might be my favorite temple song. I, I really love <laughs> all night thing. And I really love, uh, uh, wouldn't Jesus as well? Like I, I, I gravitate towards the uh, the different side of of Temple. You know, I know everybody loves Reach Down and then Push It Forward, but uh, like Say Hello to Heaven is such a beautiful song. Might be like a minute or so too long, but that's uh, I'm okay with that. Now, I will say this: this was the first song I listened to after Chris passed, and you know. You think that, and you think like, oh, you're just doing it because he wrote a song about heaven, and he's, he's he died, and it's like cliche to do that. I'm like, I, I think it wasn't tongue in cheek. I think I I, I I I did it because I I legitimately see this song as a song of mourning, and a song that you connect with a powerful friendship and a powerful relationship. And, you know, when, when, when I think of Cornell and the music that he's made, 
and what it means to me and and by no means was Soundgarden ever one of my favorite bands. Like, I like Soundgarden, I really do, but they were never top of the tops for me. Um, but, like, Cornell as a musician, especially when he was doing Audio Slave stuff, I really attached to the first Audio Slave record. As a musician, just being able to, to latch on and respect that and kind of, you know, go through these ups and downs with him and his career and, and see him at this moment where I wasn't really too crazy about what he was doing but then seeing him later at the actual temple of the dog shows and being like really impressed and then shortly after that everything had you know he's he's gone you know it, like it's just it's a moment to mourn and and i think in this moment he's taking that opportunity to to maybe speak to andy for the first because i don't think they had ever in any capacity played say hello to evan no but, not at all not at a yeah. Pearl Jam show. I don't yeah. think they did Temple of the Dog shows. I think they did like, uh, you know, obviously at Pearl Jam shows, they did little kind of, you know, sections where, you know, Lollapalooza or something like that. Uh, you know, the a live music video show at Rock Candy. Uh, they played Reach Santa Out. Barbara. Yeah, Santa Barbara, sure. But, you know, never a time to do this song because, I mean, this is so powerful and it means so much to them. It has to be the right moment. And look, they're not here. It, it, you know, unfortunately, like as as sad as it is, like they're not here if it's not for Andy Wood. It, it's it's an important moment. It really is. And and Chris at this show, especially, was very vocally strong. At the end, he's just letting it all hang out. He's letting it all rip, and you know that he's been holding on to this song for 20 years. And it's finally he's just let it all out. I'm still learning a lot about this band and a lot about the history of it. And and while it's one thing to know what all the songs off of Yield and No Code and, and, and Riot Act are, it's another thing to know why they're here and where they came from and, and the reason why everything is happening that, 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 that we've gotten over the past 20 years and, and now 30. So... Yeah, I, I didn't know it at the time, but it was that was a learning experience for me. Uh, Reach Down, like I mentioned. Um, this is like, I think still at this point, you know, I'm not in the moment just being like, all right, Hunger Strike, right? Hunger Strike, let's, let's, let's get going. Hunger Strike and then more Pearl Jam, right? So I'm a little, you know, a lot of other people are just living in this moment and I'm not having the same experience. So that, but that is a, like you mentioned before, that's probably a very rare experience from this crowd. I'm 20, I'm 24 going on 25 in the, in the next few days. I don't have that attachment to the older, older, older stuff and the history of it. Like I mentioned, PJ20 would come out a week later. I would. I'd 
learn it, but uh, yeah. yeah. That, and then in that moment, it, it didn't like dawn on me that oh man, Mike is gonna fucking rip the heavens apart. Yes. Oh, there's there's the the surge from the crowd in anticipation. Like no, here comes really. the solo. In the backup vocal position are Glenn Hansard, Liam Finn, Julian Casablancas, whoever else, and uh, and Ed back there as well. And I, I remember, actually, do you remember this? Because I remember looking on the video screen and seeing the camera pan across all of the guys uh, singing backups, and there were like four or five heads back there, and it was just really cool because Ed, Ed, Ed took a back seat to this. And he just kind yeah. of let it all happen. He was able to be just a bystander at his own show. And and I think I was a little a little upset about that. I'm like, Ed, no, no, the, this is you. We're celebrating you. We're not celebrating anything else. And and but that's and, him. Like he, that's him. You know, he right. specifically did not go to those temple shows. He didn't exactly. want to be in the spotlight. He right. to them to him. This is this is goes back to him feeling like the outsider. Like, oh, this is this is their thing. This is not my uh-huh. thing. But he he lets them have their spotlight. It would it would be weird, I think, if he stepped to the front and was like, I'm gonna sing these Temple of the Dog songs. Like that <laughs> that would be weird. While Chris was there, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, so reach down, pick the crowd up. Uh, he's really First time reaching since, back in Santa Barbara. Yeah. Santa Barbara, Eight right? Years. And they play. I mentioned the other two times they played at Rock Candy, and then uh, the Lollapalooza performance. It was probably the last day of Lollapalooza where they just did Temple songs. Now you get what everybody, I think, and me especially, is waiting for. You're just waiting for the hunger strike moment. I think when we covered it, when we did the Bridge School shows, we were just very just disappointed that it didn't live up to any expectation. And uh, I think here. Chris is still at the top of his game. It wouldn't be until probably that year that he'd lose it a little bit more. But I, I but it might be something in the air that night where Chris is just like, I, like we're doing this again. And I can oh, feel yeah. really good about this yeah. now. Because I mean, it didn't didn't end great in Audio Slave, you know. Like it just kind of fell flat at the end and, and fizzled fizzled out a little bit. So he went for a while with. You know, just doing some solo stuff and not really having anything to do until they kind of figured out, okay, we can, we can, can do Soundgarden again. 
And I, I think this this was fulfilling for him. And you know, him and Ed taking taking their shots in this. And well, it's interesting because you know every time we we talk about it, almost Ed is doing Chris's part, and then someone else comes on to do his part. So it was it was cool to hear Ed doing his own part. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It, yeah. It's funny how that dynamic changes. Uh, I mean, Chris sounds great. Like Chris, once again, is exhausting yep. every bit of his voice to his fullest extent here. shows his appreciation for Chris introduces the next song by saying it was formed uh, more than 20 years ago and it might have helped us get uh, all get through this and it's love rain on me and oh man I can't stress it enough I just wanted more Pearl Jam after all that and not knowing how much longer they go listening to this version now this is a great version of love rain on me it is but I just wanted to sing the Pearl Jam songs that I've been, you know, I hadn't seen them in, in well over a year and I've been listening to nonstop and I just wanted Pearl Jam stuff. So it was definitely, if I sound really whiny in this whole entire episode, I am channeling my 25 year old self. I cannot help it. I cannot help it. I still have a little bit of that in me for this show, but I do listen to this version and think fucking killed it. Great. Boom sounds amazing on it. Ed sounds amazing on it. It's another tribute to the way that, you know, some of the songs that they grew up listening to inspired them and motivated them for this moment. Oh yeah. I think this was definitely done on purpose because you think about Ed making this set list. And so, he knows that 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 they're going to have the temple moment and that's going to be Jeff and Stone's story and Andy's story and Chris's story. And then he's going to throw in here's here's a little bit from my story. Here's a little yep. bit where I came from. Yeah, that's true. And you're, you're getting you're getting kind of both sides of it. You know, I think it's 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 an interesting you know dichotomy between the two like here's a little bit of here's 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 kind of the recipe you know you talked about you know everybody knows you know the 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 quote unquote the recipe for pearl jam the fake thing that these talk about in the hallucinogenic recipe the the bootleg and all that and like, here's a little bit of of the temple and mother love bone and then here's a little bit of the who from me and this is they're kind of showing you how it all came together here i think this is well done it's all interconnected somehow and 
It's funny that they tee up the closer for the this encore here by saying this one is written about the fragility of life and how quickly it can go away. I forgot this speech as well, and like I'd never cool. thought about porch in this matter. I love that. Yeah, we 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 like we get a little explanation of porch here. This was just something because uh, this was written because I hadn't heard from somebody, and uh, it's just a missed phone call, but uh, it got deep really quick. You know, anytime he's wanted to say, oh, I got something to say is one, two, three, four. Like, that's the only explanation we've gotten. Uh, And while I think I was pretty exhausted by this point, I was just fucking thrilled to have another Pearl Jam song that I liked. (laughs) You know, I think at that point, I really just needed a fucking bath. I really needed to go to the bathroom. I really needed a real meal. I I just needed to be out of there. And I'm sure there are other people that can attest to that, too. It was just, especially people on the lawn, it was a long, long day. So, yeah, that's a good performance. And I'm sure I partook in all the singing along. And, you know, a a lot of this was wiped clean from my memory, maybe because of all the Chris stuff that that just happened. But I don't I don't remember hearing Love Rain or Me. I don't really remember the speech from Porch. I don't remember Porch. Uh, But I do remember them coming back out for Encore 2. And it's just a real quick. Here's the here's Mud Honey, here's Mark Arm, and here's uh, Steve Turner. John, I just got one question for you. You ready? It's well, a very well, important I'm ready. question. Oh, well, I'm ready. Is it time? Is it time? John, I it's asked time. you. It's time. It's time to kick out the jams, motherfucker! covered this song in a long time and i feel like every time that i add up until this point which it's only been played like what a dozen times or so uh yeah 28 times which i don't think we've covered even half close to half the half opposite of comfortably numb we've covered 75 they, of the 20 right. times they co- they played comfortably numb but right. one of the 28 times they've done kick out the jams yeah seriously it, it might not the last time we've done it might might be before you were even on the show, mm-hmm. uh, the MS, the MSG show, the, the uh, 2010 show. I don't think you did that episode. I think that was a Chris Buckley right. one. Right. But uh, yeah, uh, kick out the jams, motherfuckers, and it's real quick, just like three or four minute performance. And Ed, Ed and Mark are just jamming the fuck out, and the band together. You know, it's another tie-in, Green River, like. Yeah. Another one going back to the very, very beginning, and Mud Honey is obvious. I'm sure that Mud Honey was the first band they called. Had to have oh, been, yeah. right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And just fun, just fun seeing the bands on stage together. Look like they're having the time of their lives, and and really trying to push this curfew. That I'm sure the venue was just like, uh, we have a sound ordinance. Really, a sound ordinance? What the fuck is around 
Alpine Valley that there needs to be a sound ordinance for. Tell me. Houses, probably. What houses? I didn't see one house. I didn't see one house. There's fucking cornfields. Most of it is, most of what's around Alpine Valley is just trying to drive out of that parking lot. Mm. That's it. What the fuck sound ordinance should there be? Should be able to do whatever the fuck you want. We're deep into this one, but that's the end of the show. Uh, and honestly, after the end, I'm like, shit, that's it? All right, well, at least you're leaving it on this cliffhanger. My thoughts are that, okay, hopefully night two can top this, because I was a little bit underwhelmed in, in spots while I liked certain things. And, you know, I, I think the day put a damper on what the show could have been, for sure. Yeah, like I said, it, it's a weird setless choice. And the the Cornell stuff, I think, is a little bit, I don't want to say unearned, but it's a little like you didn't really, we didn't really get the the buildup for it. I don't think it, it wasn't like justified or something. I don't know. It didn't, it felt out of place. You're almost. on the right track. Yeah. You're, that's exactly what I was feeling then especially four songs to take up that much room and you know the night two is where i really kind of that like look if you do it one night great fine that that should have been your reunion but to do basically the same thing over again and play hunger strike and reach down again the next night I was almost furious at that moment. I'm like, <laughs> what What do I have to do to get more Pearl Jam? All I want is more Pearl Jam. Like, I don't give a shit about this. You think it would have been, it would have been interesting if they had billed it as, like, if had if Temple of the Dog had played a little mini set, like, in between, like, I think Mud that would have been much better. Queens of Stone or something like, we're going to do this thing. And even like make it a surprise, like call it special guest and like don't tell anyone until right. the day of and then be like, here, we're going to play. We're going to play Stardog Champion, say hello to Evan, reach down Hunger Strike and something else and have it be like a little half hour Temple of the Dog mini set. People would have freaked the fuck out. Well, they held off the posters. One of the poster releases they held off of because they had Chris Cornell's name on it. Hmm. And I guess they yeah. didn't want anybody to yeah, yeah. To, to see that. So. Right. You know, th- th- this was planned. This was planned oh, yeah. for Absolutely. a long time. Absolutely. Uh, he even says, like, this is the, we've got a part that we, this is the part that we really wanted to get to before Cornell comes out. Yeah. Right. And who knows if they had more time, if things would have been different, because the next night they have an encore one and do, you know, a bevy of Pearl Jam songs before doing an encore two of, you know, the, the Temple plus one yeah, or yeah. two Pearl Jam. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think things would have been different had the circumstances not kind of put a damper on the day. And uh, look, I think they were, I think this prepared them for what they would end up doing in Ed Wrigley in 2013. And then, you know, on onward for more rain delays in, in the future. But uh, yeah, it's just not much you can do about it. Not much you can, especially in hindsight, not much you can do. Okay, um, what are your top three moments? Oh, top three moments. I'm going to say um, Not For You with with Julian Casablancas. Fantastic. I'm going to say Breath. And I'm going to say, I mean, it's it's got to be Say Hello to Heaven, I think, is number one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about two of those three for sure. Uh, I really love Not For You. I really love the appearance of, of Julian 100% for sure. I, you know, from a personal standpoint that night, I really loved that version of Deep. I really love when that hit like that was that I felt like a different way when we got like I thought that that was that was the special moment. So I'm going to I'm going to say that deep is within this grouping Um, and I wouldn't have said it on that night. I wouldn't have understood. But yes, say hello to heaven is what encapsulates the whole Temple of the Dog reunion in this show. Uh, Star Dog Champion is, is a nice little uh, added touch to, to to pay tribute to Andy, but Say Hello to Heaven is the tribute to Andy. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I fully agree with that. Um, yeah. This is probably the hardest show I'll ever have to rate. I, I want you to go first on this one. I want to hear what you have to say. What I have to say is this is that if I was rating on experience and like stories that I'll never forget and that I'll tell, <laughs> I don't have to tell this anymore because I can just tell people, well, go listen to this. This, this is it. This is, this is why I don't have to tell my stories to anybody anymore. The experience is like a, 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 a thousand out of 10. Like I, you can never live that again. And to be there with all nothing but 100%. It's not like the Strokes fans were out for this one, you know, and Queens of the Stone Age fans weren't just going to PJ 20 willy nilly. Like, this was all die hard. Like, every everybody bled Pearl Jam at this show, you know. I I wore my I'm Analog shirt because I thought like that was pretty cool because I was a pretty new 10 club member and I'm like, yeah, I'm analog. Yeah, I'm not digital. I'm analog. Like, you know, if I saw another person with an I'm Analog shirt, I'd probably point to them and be, be a loser like that because that's how I was at the time. But, um, man, the performances and the way that the show went about and just the circumstances behind, I don't blame the circumstances that they are what they are. You know, they they have to do what they have to do within the, the confines of, of the rain and the weather conditions that are happening. Obviously, there's the ordinance for it. But I think that there was this is not by any means a perfect show. This is not by any means. I don't even know if it's a great show. It's an important show. It's an important show. And I can't give it a 10. I can't do that because I and I know when we did the top 10 of the 2010s, I mean, night one and night two were like number two and number three on the list. Like they were very high. And I thought to myself, I'm like, oh, that that has to be more for experiences, right? That can't just be because of the set. I I I don't think I loved this set then and I still don't love it now. But I understand the weight of it. I understand the importance of it. It's getting a nine. Okay, that's actually much higher than I thought you were gonna were gonna go. Well, I think if if we go full enjoyment of it, I'd probably be around a seven and a half. To be honest with you, that's more where I thought you were gonna be. Yeah, but I, I I'm also a different mindset now yeah. than I am then. Like yeah. I'm not trying to play full fanboy here. I'm trying to look at things from perspectives and trying to be a little bit more objective about this. Yeah. And instead of saying that my 
uh, experiences matter more than everybody else's. I, like this is mostly when I think about rating things, I think about where it stands upon the history of the band. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think if the set wasn't nearly as clunky as it was, if it wasn't, if it, it was more full, if it had more Pearl Jam originals at the end, I'd probably just give it a 10 just because of what it is, just because it is Pearl Jam 20. But I, I wasn't anywhere close to that. Okay. I think I'm, I think I'm with you. I think I'm going to go nine on this one. The, the guests are fantastic. It's, it, it's well chosen. The, the songs are well suited to the people who play them. We didn't really talk about that. We a little bit, but that that's fantastic. The, the Cornell stuff is great. He sounds amazing. The, you get the little stuff like the porch explanation, like the wasted reprise speech, like even the, the welcome to PJ 20. Welcome to yeah. John Doe 34. Yeah. 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 The, the little thing, you know, before, you know, once we talk about, Oh, it's like a fairy tale, you know, this whole thing's like a fairy tale. Um, yeah, totally missed that. Oops. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's just cool. Like I, this is, and like, just deep cut after deep cut after deep cut after deep cut. And yeah, like maybe as a whole, it doesn't work as well as they thought it would or hoped it would, but you're still getting all these debuts and all these songs that you never hear. And like the crowd's amazing and everyone sing along to every song. Like, yeah, this is, this has got to be a nine. Yeah. That's, I think that that's fair. If people do want to give it a 10, I think those people are probably uh, nostalgic for the Temple of the Dog moments and and kind of uh, that's attracted them to and these shows. And, and, and yeah, it, I, totally I, fair. I can't blame them for that. No, get, not at all. Yeah, if this is one of your favorite shows of all time, absolutely. Like, and again, I would I would have loved to have been there. I would love to hear uh, see a full video of it. I would love to get an official bootleg of it. That hasn't happened. Right. Okay. Well. I mean, that took a long time and uh, not apologizing for it, but yeah, there was a lot of stories. There are a lot of stories we had to tell from, you know, there's food stories. Who doesn't go to shoes shows about food stories? This is all. Well, first time we've had a show last this long in length in a long, long time. Not many shows you can say really deserve to be treated this way. Yeah, it's an important one. So I don't have to tee you guys up for what's happening next week. You know it. It's the second night. We're going to. And what's funny is the day that this comes out will be on my birthday on night two that I have so much better memories of and, and hold su- in such higher regard uh, than, than this one. Um, I guess it's a birthday treat to me, I suppose. Um, but happy yeah. birthday to you. Well, we're singing happy birthday to the podcast, too, because the podcast birthday, right. like the first ever episode uh, that we put out was on September 7th. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're celebrating a lot of things. And, and, you know, our birthdays are almost a full week apart. Your birthday is on the 14th. So next year your birthday is going to fall on a Wednesday and we're going to do a show for your birthday. We've already decided that a show that yep. you went to yep. that we've been waiting to do f- since the minute you stepped into this place. Yeah. So it'd be fun. Yeah. Everybody's getting a birthday moment and uh, yep. For all you Virgos out there, I'm sure, you know, listening to the show, happy birthday, whenever it is. And uh, that's all, that's all we got. Look, there's a lot. 
And um, we are going to be doing the PJ 20 forum. If you are interested in that, please reach out. It's going to be tomorrow on the second. Uh, It's definitely on Zoom, probably around nine o'clock Eastern time. I will be promoting it through social media. So you don't have to go far in order to know what's happening when. And uh, maybe we'll even put it on our little website somewhere, liveonfourlegs.com. Um, or if you want to email us live on four legs podcast at gmail.com, you can rate the show as well on Apple. Let's uh, let's finish this off. This may be the end. We're here not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. Miss you always. All right. Back at it to Alpine Valley next week for PJ 20 part two. It'll be a lot sunnier then. You got the jams. Good job, okay.